This week's Talking Simpsons is brought to you by Verve. Do you like streaming classic cartoons like Doug? Anime like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Dragon Ball Super? Original cartoons like Bee and Puppy Cat? Even classics like Freakazoid that you won't find anywhere else? Those are all being carried by Verve. And you can get a 30-day free trial of service on Talking Simpsons if you just head to vrv.co slash WAC. Check it out. endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where we perform emergency sisterectomies. I'm your host, Abe Lincoln's father's boss, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons who is here with me today. Swimming in vinegar, Henry Gilbert. <laughs> Cat Bailey, and this isn't a faux podcast, this is a podcast. True, <laughs> and today's episode is My Sister, My Sitter. Enjoy Bob Saget. <laughs> it's Bob Seeger. Mm. Ah, crap. Today's episode aired on March 2nd, 1997, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. (gasps) Oh, my God! Oh, boy, Bobby. Bill Clinton officially bans government funds going to research of human cloning. Turok the Dinosaur Hunter is released on the Nintendo 64. Ah. And people stop standing on her neck just long enough for Daria to debut on MTV. Yay, that's great. So we did an episode of Daria for What a Cartoon. Check that out. I'm a big Daria fan, and it really holds up. Everybody always says, Kat, you're just like Daria. And I'm like, is that a compliment? (laughs) Yes. It is. Good. Yes. I'm surprised. I'll take that as a compliment. I was just nodding. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you didn't watch the show then. You well, know, I wasn't cool enough to watch cool things back in the 90s <laughs> or whatever. Oh, you're cool she was enough. too busy with uh, Babylon 5. That's correct. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I Playing know, video games. I know Cat too much. Yeah, if you guys want to hear us talk for over 90 minutes about Daria, definitely check out that episode of What a Cartoon. The Turok and the Dinosaur Hunter, that was during the Nintendo 64 Gulf of Content. It after was, the first. First Christmas. What now? Well, we talked about a few uh, weeks ago on the Poochie episode, Mario Kart 64. This was the next thing. And you played this until Goldeneye came out a couple months later. Yeah, so much fog in this one. This is when people started to really notice uh, how how short the line of vision actually was. You would have dinosaurs emerging from the fog (laughs) like five feet in front of your face. Oh my god, and the first person platforming. I was going to say that. Boy, torture. You had to look straight down and kind of like (laughs) awkwardly hop because the N64 controller, suffice it to say, was not built for platforming. It needed. Sorry, first person shooters. Yes, it needed another analog stick and. What seemed out at the time would become the default for shooters in which one thumb controlled the look, the other one controlled the the motion. It's like, I got to look around with these C C buttons? What am I doing? It was also the game that where it really hit me, what a lie Nintendo had said when they said, like, the graphics on this are going to be Jurassic Park. And then you play this game with dinosaurs and you're like definitely not Jurassic Park no with uh, severe cataracts <laughs> and uh, but Turok was a gorgeous game for its time sure people did love that game maybe the PC version there are some people that like it I don't get it yeah. I, I didn't I did not particularly care for it it and lasted a, a while fanboy. it sure did yeah. yeah they made one what the Xbox 360 era I think 2008 was the last Turok's yeah, last stand yeah. was yeah. that when Acclaim tried to get somebody to name their kid Turok as part of the oh my 
my god! Uh, I, think I forgot so. about that. It was also when they tried to the Shadow Man, Shadow Man yeah. on gravestones. That was I. You know the PR guys. They were at least thinking of something. They they were di- they were earning their pay- paycheck there. And old Slick Willie at Long Clones. Yeah, I want my clone. Human clones must have must have happened. They're, they're now happening now. I mean, yeah. let's let's be, let's be honest. Or, or rich people are, so. are using them to harvest organs. <laughs> Jeff Bezos refuses. He will refuse to die. He has thousands of clones. Well, Bob, that's just parts the clonus project. You're that's true. About it's, now. It, that was a documentary. Henry. Well, this is right about the time that Dolly happened, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about Dolly a few weeks ago. On and Simpsons. Bill's like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's just, it just goes everybody. to show that people hear about something and immediately get scared because they don't really understand it. And yeah. so instead of better understanding it they just immediately banned scientific research into it i'm sure rich people have been cloning kid that was actually the concept i believe that's why radiohead called their album kid a the kid a is the name of the first human clone that's happened in secret i prefer hail to the thief because i bet that kept bush up all night that kept it that really stuck into him. i love that album i listened to every radiohead album up to in rainbows 800 times on repeat and i've never seen them live if they ever actually come by around here again i really should see him before one of them dies i couldn't believe that album title it was like a I mad know. magazine article or something <laughs> i expected more but yes this episode my sister my sister i want to point out i saw on the wiki there is uh some weird information in the wiki which i believe is not true and it's coincidental that the title for this episode is a reference to the movie sister my sister which yeah. which could be true but that's also like a lesbian incest psychodrama <laughs> true crime also that has nothing sh- to do with this sweet story about lisa so yeah maybe I mean, i'm sorry henry title wise it could have been the inspiration yeah. of just like titles are their last thought on these things anyway so i don't think thematically it's supposed well, it to came fit. out in 1994 so perhaps like three years later yeah. somebody had just randomly seen it and went oh, it's sister my sister my sister that has sister in it this is about lisa that's a sister but yeah like make up your mind on your own but that's the one new thing i pulled out of research for this that <laughs> this could be a reference to sister my sister and that movie's all on youtube so look it up mm. sounds like a quite the watch to it be really perfectly is. honest yeah i don't this episode this is not truly a henry's tale of the tape but damn it <laughs> when i would circle around to this one in my vhs tape viewings it would actually be one i'd kind of fast forward through at the middle part and it's not because i think this is a bad episode though this isn't one of my favorites but it is because they did such a good job on bart's injury that it disgusts uh, me oh and I God, can't yeah. look oh at boy, it. Oh, boy, yeah. And it just ruins it. You know what's great? Listening to this episode with headphones. Yes, yeah. I, I did that for this for this research, and yes, it is some, some gross sounds It's some messed up stuff, isn't yeah. it? It is what they were going for, and so mission accomplished there, well guys. But they know when to pull back from it, though. They know when it's like, let's get Bart in this wheelbarrow. He's you need like to knock poking at it. Yeah. It's in the wrong angle. I sent you guys an animated gif of it last night. Ugh, of, I didn't look at that. Of the dream sequence Bart, like, yep. pulling oh, his arm. Yeah. Yeah, the point Bob Lisa. sure did do that. I wanted to gross all of you out. But and also another thing is that we talked to the writer of this episode, Dan Graney, on the Patreon. Uh, yep. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. A whole one hour long interview with Dan Graney about his time on the show and this episode, too. So check that out if you haven't. He's, he's great. And he got us in touch with Dan McGrath. And that was a great interview, too. Graney has a real knack for understanding the brother-sister dynamics of Bart and Lisa. And like the kids, the best thing in this, this is almost so kid-focused. It also, in my memory, like I said on our Date with Density episode, 
in my memory, I think of this as a Scully era episode, not an Oakley and Weinstein one, because it focuses so much on the kids, which I really feels more like a Scully thing than a Oakley and Weinstein thing. My first thought when I was watching this was, was this a Mike Scully episode? Mm. It's so <laughs> down to earth. It's not swarming with magic robots or anything like that. And it focuses so exclusively on the sibling relationship between Bart and Lisa. But it makes sense since Dan Grading did Summer of Four, four Foot Two. So. It, it also feels like the first super domestic episode in a while where they don't it's like so they use the same amount of money they use on every episode but it feels like a low budget episode like they can't leave the house (laughs) until the very end i was gonna say it's almost like a bottle episode yeah well i think it's these kind of episodes that buy them the right to do things like simpsons spin-off showcase in about five episodes like but at the same time they have that fairly elaborate dockyard kind of setting where with lots of different visual gags tons of visual gags and they bring in a lot of familiar characters so (laughs) though also why this reminds me of a scully era one it's not just the kids but also this is a bit more scatological than the simpsons get in multiple jokes oh boy yeah and (laughs) And also, Homer is some real jerk-ass here. And I think this this episode is important in Simpsons history in that it is a major turning point in the presentation and mining of jokes from Rod and Todd Flanders. Mm, That's true. It's a new identity for them in terms of how they write jokes for those characters. And not always for the best in Simpsons history. That's true. We're talking about how crazy stuff happens in the show, and then this is a more down-to-earth one. The last episode, we record all of these out of order, by the way, just because we're working ahead. The last one was the Sideshow Bob and Cecil episode, where the dam explodes, (laughs) and a tidal wave hits Springfield. After an extended Frasier parody. Yes. So, yes, this is way more down-to-earth than that last episode that we recorded weeks ago oh really? there was an episode you did not too long ago that you were like i don't think this is really canon this is kind of crazy oh sherry bobbins sherry bobbins yeah. yeah sherry bobbins happened this season that is right? a treehouse of horror episode <laughs> secretly I no exactly <laughs> so i mean that really just puts into context the swarming with magic robots sherry bobbin yeah. realistic down-to-earth episode yeah. my sister my sitter too real And well, this episode does, it feels real to me in that I had uh, as a child, like when I was Bart's age, I had a contentious rivalry with my younger sibling. And if they got something that I think I should have gotten before they did, if anything felt unfair, I would legitimately feel the way Bart felt of like, this is the greatest injustice in history. Uh How much older uh, were you than? I'm three years older. Yeah, you both have younger siblings, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. mine is six years younger than Oh, wow. So it's quite the age gap. Yeah, that's too far apart. We are close enough that, like, my parents could say something that they didn't want me doing when I was 10. When I'm 13 and my brother is 10, they're like, we're used to this now. Your brother can do this. Like, and that would make me angry. And I fortunately you would get to do something and then they would be like, Oh no, that went horribly. You don't get to do that. Yeah. It's sometimes that happened for my brother, but though I also never was a babysitter. And also, I mean, I don't want to say I was never babysat because I like had after school daycare or whatever, what, where until we were old enough, we would stay at daycare after school, me and my brother, because, and then pick, up by my mom at the end of the day. I, I would say that shows the real class divide between us, Henry. Sure, because, yes. Because yeah. my parents were basically, we're leaving you alone. Don't tell anybody we're doing this. <laughs> we can't afford a babysitter. Yeah, was, I was a latchkey kid as well. Yeah. But. I wanted to be a latchkey kid. I was so happy when was, I got... Oh, it was so great. When I hit 11 years old, 
my mom was finally like, you know what? Just be at home all day. You don't have to go to the YMCA summer day camp thing all day, which was hell. I hated it. The worst. <laughs> you didn't like kids. doing activities like playing dodgeball. Mm-hmm. It was more that the kid. Well, I did hate that, and I just wanted to read comic books. <laughs> but it was also that there were a lot of very mean, bullying kids there, yes. and not enough uh, people to prevent those kids from being bullies. Mm, at home, it was Disney afternoon and fish sticks uh, for I, me. Yeah. So I. I was a babysitter and I actually uh-huh. did do some babysitting in my time and I took the classes. So I have a little bit of experience with this and I babysat my and younger child or my younger sibling. Sorry. Hmm. Um, and yes, I did learn how to do CPR. I learned how to do CPR many times actually between mm-hmm. swimming lessons, babysitting lessons, and later getting first responder certification. Wow. So. Neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, how accurate is this to babysitting? I would say that the fact that Lisa didn't take any classes and the fact that her parents were comfortable leaving her to take care of her older brother hmm. and their like one-year-old baby is uh it's a little intense for someone even as mature yeah, as Lisa. She's written as an adult. My brother sister thing is that uh my, my sister is very much the Bart of the family and I am the Lisa <laughs> and uh she's always been terrible to me and I, I don't really talk to her and she was awful even more awful to me as a as a kid when we were kids. And the great thing about that was it set the bar very low for me. It's like, oh, he's he's quiet and he's reading, and he's playing video games. Let's just leave him alone. He's not doing anything bad. And it's like, really. On, on the other hand, they're chasing my sister all around and like trying to get her to settle down. It's like me. I'm the good kid. <laughs> I'm the unwanted nice. kid who had to try harder. <laughs> and look at me now, mom. Did you uh, did you have any like that's unfair moments in? No, because again, like the uh, the spotlight was off of me. I just <laughs> was kind of allowed to do whatever I wanted because I never really got in trouble. Having an older sibling that is Bartesque, as they say, <laughs> really lets you get away with a lot because your parents are putting more energy into them. And also, again, the bar is lowered for good behaviors. <laughs> and she's older than you. Than you she right? is by three years. So yeah. you must have been just a relief. It's like, okay, that yes. one we don't have to worry about. He, it's the kid that watches himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those self cleaning kids you're about <laughs> Uh, well, so the episode begins with the return of I on Springfield. And uh, oh, yeah, you know what? This one, too. This is a Jim Reardon episode. And I this is not to say I think it's poorly animated because it isn't. But I was going to just say, like, I feel I expect a little more from a Jim Reardon show. Like, it just felt very on model and careful. There are moments there that are really, good moments, really speak to Jim Reardon's skills and his team's skills. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's not being asked to do a lot more than just domestic stuff. So there's not a lot for him to, you know, play with. But there are some moments that I even gift that were very funny I put online. That's true, yeah. There, there are, and we'll get to those, yeah. But it didn't, I guess it didn't feel as... Um, Everything to do with Bart's arm is, yeah. like, really good. Yeah, actually, that was stuff. successful, but it <laughs> And the wheelbarrow me. adventure, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Especially toward the end when... Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this is the first Ion Springfield since a star is burned. And wow. this is the first Ion Springfield in Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein's tenure, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and unlike the one in Stars Burns, they don't show the entire thing to fill time. Yeah. They just give you a little bit and uh, give us two very quick jokes that also feel like just a season nine kind of like it's a two story art house. You don't want to talk about scatological. Yes, yeah. You, you start with this was a surprise to me as a kid because I was like, they don't go, go to the toilet that much. And Simpsons joke in here is a joke that asks you to envision a man shitting on another man. That's, I mean, it's perfect for me because they cut the guy saying oh my god at the perfect moment it's like oh yeah. my god <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's true. uh the nurse less funny yeah it's just like, eh. 
I thought that was a riff on Patch Adams, but I checked on Patch Adams, and that movie came out a year later. So, well, could it be the news stories about Patch Adams, the real life one that made that could have been entirely true? Mm, I just I remember know. that when Patch Adams came out, that became a bit of a thing. The comedic doctor that, that was in worst. Futurama is Pat, Patch, oh. Patch Cord Adams. Patch, yeah, Patch Cord Adams. That, yeah. That's one of my favorite jokes ever because they all hate him so much. <laughs> well, everybody was like, "Oh, Robin Williams is really overbearing." this movie yeah and when he just shows up when futurama character says up like oh what are these patients here eh?" and then they all just like ha 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 <laughs> that was one of like two extremely maudlin robin williams movies at the same time it was right? he had a bicentennial man at the yeah. same time i believe and then he got really dark a few years later yes yes he did i wonder movie wise yes like movie wise yes now yeah. yes world's greatest dad's great i was confused by centennial man with ai to be perfectly honest yeah they're basically the same deal they yeah. well, uh, one was a stanley kubrick vehicle so yes. it has something more going one for is it. maybe maybe one has held up a little bit better than the other Oh, yes. I think uh, I appreciate AI a lot more now. Some than AI fans are getting really mad at me. I'm not saying that Bicentennial Man's the same quality. I We're just... losing all of our AI fan listeners right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's get into the clip then before we lose all of them. But first, move over Baltimore. Springfield has stolen your idea. I'm walking on the waterfront. Once the center of a thriving squid-gutting industry, now abandoned by all but a few longshoremen and allied tradespeople. But the decades of rot will end with the opening of the South Street Squid Port, an upscale shopping promenade with authentic maritime theming. And to kick it all off in style, area merchants will host a black tie gala Saturday night. Ooh, that sounds fabulous, Homer. Stores throw the best parties. You like parties, huh? Well, I just remembered they're having a big one down at the waterfront this weekend. You didn't remember that. You just saw it on TV. The important thing is I didn't imagine it. <laughs> Marge's very cute line that stores throw the best parties. That really stood out to me. I love that, yeah. There's a lot to unpack with this. Well, uh, just in the context of the current gentrification things, mm-hmm. uh, especially that hipster kind of uh, events and that faux kind of returning these old warehouse districts yeah. into cool happening places. Mm-hmm. This is where it all began. I, I live near one of those in Berkeley. There's oh, a yeah. very bougie area that used to mm-hmm. be just a bunch of warehouses and industrial stuff. I and, guess this was actually happening in Baltimore around this time. Cause it was, yeah. This is about the time that they opened Camden Yards, which is our baseball stadium. I've actually ah. been to the Baltimore waterfront. Don't ask me why. I was there when I went to Otacon. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very... I've never been there. Okay, but sure. I'm sure that it was kind of a disaster. So was uh, the area near AT&T Stadium. Uh, that yeah. used to be really bad, apparently, here in San Francisco. I believe that. That's where every 70s cop movie happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, It now, really transformed around the beginning of the 21st century. Well, all those areas, though, just have a feel of Disney Main Street, of the fake, oh, yeah. just a fake outer exterior that's supposed to feel lived in. But also, when you walk into them, you're just like, well, this is $5 more expensive, 5% more expensive than everything would be. Yeah, Disney Main Street's a better way to put it than hipster. Or yuppie. They call it yuppie stuff in this Well, too, this right? was, I, I was thinking about that, actually, where they were repeatedly using the term yuppie and i was like is that the last time that yuppie was actually used in media because 
Yuppie was kind of the proto hipster, right? Yeah, I think even that, even in this show, I think the joke is that Marge is using it and it is out of date. It was more of an mm. 80s thing. Marge uses early out 90s of date thing. Yeah. like that. Yeah. Jacksonville, Florida, there was also one of those waterfront things and it just it made everything more expensive. I was like, why would I go here to buy a book or a movie? It's all just like $5 more than it was some other place. Not to mention, like, yeah, on the gentrification side of it, it always felt like, oh, you're afraid to go to Jacksonville. But look, it's a lot of white people. Wait, people are afraid to go to Jacksonville? Oh, yeah, Jacksonville. The mean streets of Jacksonville. Okay, (laughs) Uh, Watch the show The Good Place. It has more Jacksonville jokes than any show I've seen ever. Bortles, man, my boy. Uh, Duval. Duval. Homer's line of uh, the important thing is, I didn't imagine it. It it implies a lot. And Homer is constantly telling her things he imagined. Well, we we have seen that on the show. Like he he believed he was in Happy Days, the the TV show Happy Days, (laughs) things like that. Yeah. It's connected to his story of the doctor thought I had brain damage. What's the point of the story? I like like stories. (laughs) I've had moments where I've actually imagined conversations and thought that I've had them because they seemed very real in my mind. Yeah. No, I've had that too. Or like uh, dreams where you're like, and then at the, oh wait, no, I didn't have that And then I'll be like, "Ah, I told you about this. And they're like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I I did that thing again. Oh no, this is so embarrassing. Uh, Also the squid gutting reference. This is Dan Grady will bring squid gutting back with a vengeance in a couple years in 30 minutes over Tokyo. I was going to say that. I was like, oh. Oh, squid gutting. Wow. <laughs> the tentacle cannery. <laughs> uh, the f- knife goes in, guts come out. I was gonna th- oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm kind of reluctant to go with the really bad accent that they're doing. but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll discuss this in a couple of years. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe in one year. Uh, oh boy! Yeah, actually, probably by it's the pro- season finale of season nine, right? Uh, ten. Yes, yeah, season nine it. is natural. I feel like natural we've born said this kissers. Many yes, times. natural born kissers oh. is the end of season nine. Season ten is thirty minutes over Tokyo. Then we get a rare Janie appearance here. Yeah, which, uh, I'm glad they need. This is girl talk, and they need another girl. And she, they need a friend for Lisa to do this kind of thing. I suppose. Yeah. I can't get enough of the babysitter twins. They arrested the counterfeiters, rescued the president, and made four dollars. I love everything about the world of babysitting. The responsibility, the obligation, the pressure, and full refrigerator privileges. That's a trust, Janie. A sacred trust. Jeez, lighten up, Lisa. Now we know why Janie doesn't appear anymore after this in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, even on the commentary, they're just like, well, why is Janie here? (laughs) Who else is she going to say that stuff to? She She could be talking to like a picture of a pony. I don't know. They never bothered to develop an actual friend for Lisa after Mm -hmm. the episode where Lisa's rival... Yeah. Well, none they of the never women kept her around. None of the women on the show can have friends. Mm-hmm. Marge no, can't have friends. Lisa can't have friends. They try. They legitimately tried to give Marge a friend in Ruth Powers, and then Ruth Powers never came back. Really, even Maggie doesn't get along with the other babies. <laughs> <laughs> women don't have friends. That's uh, that's what the Simpsons taught me. They wait for their husbands to get home. <laughs> Janie's first appearance, first speaking line since Lisa the vegetarian. Wow. Yeah, so Lisa's gonna marry a, a carrot, right? Janie is more. Lisa's enemy than her friend too she's more often making fun of Lisa than spending time with her if any girl other than Lisa needs a speaking role it's usually Janie (laughs) she's basically just an extra I mean she doesn't really do anything they just cram her in there whenever they need her I wonder if she falls into Matt Groening's dislike of season one characters Mm. because she definitely looks like a season one character just like same with Wendell whenever you see Wendell you're just like oh boy nobody looks like this pale child 
her appearance makes me feel like this is almost a season two or a season three <laughs> episode. Mm, yeah. It has that kind of vibe to it. Uh, but clearly what they're reading is a reference to the Babysitter yeah. Club yes. books, which uh, I did read a few of those did as a you? kid. Yes, I, you know, obviously Yeah, that sounds pretty gay. I yeah. know, yes. Books were very gendered as well. I, I definitely didn't buy copies of Babysitter's Club because that's a conversation, but I could read them at the library in secret. <laughs> and But I didn't read that many. I didn't, they were fun little soap opera books. I think I liked Encyclopedia Brown more just because a know-it-all was in it, and that's who I am. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite Babysitter Club member was Stacy, the treasurer. She was the one with diabetes, right? And divorced parents, too. Oh. Was, yeah, that was her That was her deal. Well, that was the whole thing, is you looked at these girls and you were like, which one do I relate to the most? For me, it was, uh, was it Christy, hmm. the what? the tomboy? Oh, yes, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Wait, were there twins or was that Sweet Valley High? That was Sweet Valley High. Okay, yeah. I only like the covers to those books as a kid. <laughs> That's what make this kind of a mashup, and also of the the Hardy Boys too a little bit with the mystery. The mystery aspect of it is much more Hardy Boys of the formula formula. I have to assume that uh, Mike Scully brought this to the show having five daughters. One hundred percent. There was a thing called Babysitter Mysteries where they're Ooh, breaking up counterfeit uh, rings and that really? kind of thing. Aww. Yeah. I wonder if that's because of the popularity of the more intense R.L. Stein well, books. They weren't well received yeah. by the Babysitter Club fandom. Too oh, much yeah. drama. <laughs> well, we got to find this pie thief. <laughs> uh, as a comic nerd, I liked, too, that there was a continuity to them and they were numbered. Uh, I liked that, too. I mean, they're soap operas, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I was actually more of a Nancy Drew reader, which is funny because it came out in the 60s and actually one of the... <laughs> One of the main characters in Babysitter's Club is a Nancy Drew fan because ah. the, uh, the author, you know, came of age in the 60s and 70s and was probably reading that herself. And it's one of the early feminist books, but it's generally celebrated as, you know, a pretty cool fem- feminist series. Uh, these girls are getting together, starting business. Entrepreneurial spirit, all these girls working together and like putting aside their money. A lot of the book is about like, uh, as I recall... Or about like how they saved money or investments they made. It was a lot of actual business details. But uh, they could be also very mean. The Babysitter's Club was a bit of a cult. And when oh. one of their members has dares to make friends with somebody who's outside of the club, they oh. go out and eat her snacks, short sheet her bed. <laughs> And leave mean notes. Oh, man. I'll- and even gaslight her by leaving a blank note just to make her think, like, what is this note supposed to say? Like, they're yeah. messing with her. It sounds like those creeps in the Midnight Society, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> the only book series I read as a kid was the Redwall series until when I was 14, I realized it was very racist. Oh. And I stopped reading it. I was too busy reading Redwall and Animorphs and hmm. Goosebumps. Is that the one with Salamandistron? Yes. yes. You see, yeah. Henry, some types of things are born evil, mm-hmm. and some types of things are born yes, good. Yes, if you're a stoter ferret. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. You just no, inherently... wait. But, Bob, a sea rat becomes good. I'll have you know. Uh, There's a sea rat who reforms in one of the books. Okay, well, in one of the books, they're like, can this bad thing be good? No, it turns out it can't. <laughs> but if you read the original Red Wall, it's a really good kind of high fantasy with mm-hmm. animals, and it none of the really uncomfortable questions yeah. of being born into a race the kind of, of bandits. I mean, <laughs> the weird racial essentialism is something that I didn't really have a word for but i was like this seems off like the original trilogy was great and then it gets a little yeah he kind of runs out of ideas after 
after that. It's true. I did also like having books to read with a fellow nerdy friend, though it rarely happened. I didn't. I didn't have too many Janies in my life who were like, "We're both reading this book series together." I had yes, that for my comic friends books. Didn't read. But yeah, it's prose books. I mean, I also preferred comic books to a prose book, but uh, you can't read those as easily in school. So. I was reading Star Wars extended expanded universe. Books. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. yeah the, sure uh, was. The I started with the kid ones before I went to the Thrawn trilogy, which obviously featured the three eyed child of Darth Sidious in those ones. There were the books, Black Glove trilogy. There were books everywhere in my family. Like when I was growing up, there were books on the bookshelf, which is you know it's an important thing to have books on the mm-hmm. bookshelf when you grow up. There was a bookmobile that came around to our school, oh, yeah. so That's I could rent mobile. stuff. There were many libraries, so I was pretty lucky in that regard, actually. The Simpsons will be right back. My diagnosis? Great podcasting! This week's podcast from the Talking Simpsons Network is brought to you by listeners like you! It's thanks to folks like you who support the Talking Simpsons Network at patreon.com slash talking simpsons that allows me and Bob to do this full-time and get cool guests like Kat Bailey this week, she of US Gamer. Check out her stuff, please. And if you want to see more of the cool stuff that people get for supporting us at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, there's so much. You get early access to this podcast a week ahead of time and no commercials in it either. Like this, you wouldn't be hearing this now and you'd have heard it a week ago. And you get the same week early and ad free deal on What a Cartoon. Our sister podcast where we take a different animated series and go through it in the same Talking Simpsons style, one different episode at a time. We've done Batman Adventures. We've done The Max. We've done Daria. We've done animes like Cowboy Bebop. You can hear all that on What a Cartoon, and you'll get that as part of your $5 a month subscription at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Not to mention we have tons of exclusives there. You can hear us do The Simpsons Treatment for Future the entire first season you can hear us do the same for every episode of the critic even the bad webisodes we do it completely on talking critic plus over a dozen interviews with simpsons veterans we talked to bill oakley we talked to dan graney the writer of this episode josh weinstein mike scully mike reese david silverman nell scoville mimi pond they're all there and tons more listen to it right now just sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons The important thing is you didn't imagine this week's other sponsor, Verve. That's Verve, V-R-V, the streaming service that has thousands of hours of content on it right now. You can see tons of anime from Crunchyroll. You can see exclusive original series like Cartoon Hangover's Bee and Puppycat. You can see classics from 90s Nickelodeon on Nick Splat, and even exclusives like Freakazoid, which you can only stream at Verve. How would you sign up for Verve? Well, you can get a 30-day free trial at vrv.co slash w-a-c that's verve.co slash whack w-a-c and you get a free 30-day trial and a little bit of money gets kicked back to your pals at talking simpsons i use verve not just for my anime viewing needs but also for a ton of other classic cartoons and there's always more cool stuff coming to verve all the time 
So please check it out and think about signing up for a 30-day free trial of the service at vrv.co slash wac, verb.co slash whack. Did reading the Babysitter's Club make you want to be a babysitter? Did that no, get- I I don't know why I became a babysitter, honestly. <laughs> did I, you get good money for it, at least? No, <laughs> I didn't. I think I just did it because my parents suggested that I take the classes, and I said, okay, I, I suppose. I think they wanted me to babysit my sister. Mm. That was it, yeah. Free labor. <laughs> right so there. Why, that's why you have kids. <laughs> I only ended up babysitting once, and it was the neighbor kid. And that was my first experience with actually having to take care of, like, a real child. And Mm. this kid was maybe five. And when their parent left, the kid just went into the garage and cried for a solid hour. Whoa. And it's like, what do you do in that situation? I'm, like, 13... 12 or 13, I have no idea. You realize how much kind of responsibility you're putting on to a, not even a teenager, kind of prepubescent, like 12, 13 yeah. years old. I mean, in that situation, I don't have kids, but I think you get the hose. <laughs> Turn the hose on. I'm spooking out of the garage. But eventually they kind of warmed me and then we played with their toys and watched Barney and mm. I was so bored. Ooh. It was one of the most boring that sound incredibly boring. I've ever had and I was so desperate for it to end and then I never wanted to do it again after that but i did get full fridge pre- privileges Ooh. that's nice so uh, i drank a lot of soda <laughs> that uh actually that reminds me of something i saw tweeted funny by previous guest of the show shivam uh he talked about how like what being a parent is now is watching a movie with the kids who are constantly asking questions oh i was one of those that kids. the movie would answer if you just shut up and you have to fight the urge to tell your kid to just shut up <laughs> and watch the movie and you'll find out i did that my dad Dad, I'm really sure did I not did like that. that. Too. <laughs> now it's been the fun reverse of like I used to be the kid asking my mom, "What's that mean? What's that? What? What? What do you say? What that?" Now it's the reverse of I'm seeing a Star Wars with my mom. She's like, "Who's that now? <laughs> Who did that?" I just want to say that the perfect title for the Babysitter Twins is "The President's Baby is Missing." It's a great title. <laughs> and yeah, the, the that's going to draw you in, right? <laughs> also, the formula, formula. <laughs> uh, so this has inspired Lisa to start her own babysitting deal, which advertises first through Rev and Lovejoy. It's a nice little boring Lovejoy thing. It's not a joke on religion. It's just a joke on how boring he is, <laughs> which I think is a joke on religion. Yeah, church is boring, and he's. Uh, it feels like a early taste of the listen lady plot line mm. we're going to be getting soon they're I developing al- him a bit more oakley and weinstein they're, they're getting into timothy and also i noticed he had a watch on in the shot and there's no joke for it so it makes me wonder if there was a cut joke because you don't draw a watch on characters and never mm. wear them unless there's going to be a watch joke maybe we'll get to a cut scene with the watch this is a very short scene in the church. It's like 15 seconds long. It's Bart saying the best bands are affiliated with Satan. I do like the promised concert in the church basement that starts at Friday at 6 p.m. sharp. <laughs> it's a lot of little details that really add to just the sense of how boring this is. 
Well, Reverend Lovejoy doing the cool Christian rock thing, that was definitely a thing that was definitely rising in the late 90s. Oh, and yeah. And it was very controversial within Christian circles because rock music was the devil. And so how can you have it be godly? It okay. just doesn't square. We got to reach these kids. <laughs> I finally understood Christian rock groups when I had a boss who was very born-again Christian, mm. but in his youth, he loved hair metal bands he grew up in la he got to see those big name bands like metallica when they were new when before they really hit it big he loved them but that didn't match up with his christianity so he had to get into christian rock and i felt so bad for him because he's like you know, actually, you, you can make fun of it, but they actually <laughs> rock pretty hard, these guys. What? Like, they really do. What if it was Metallica, but every song used the word him with a capital H 43 times? <laughs> I became aware of Christian rock because my entire classroom loved Christian rock. Ooh, yuck. Ooh. And I was in Catholic school, no one listened to Christian rock. So, well, my school was very Baptist mm, and very gross. born again. And mm. they asked, what's your favorite music? And somebody mentioned some Christian group I had never heard of. And everybody went, woo And I'm oh, like, what's God. going on uh, here? <laughs> and, and, and Testament is a very good Christian rock band name. <laughs> that is very, very, very odd. Well, then the early 2000s, you had groups like Evanescence that were secretly... They kind were, of trying to be Christian, but not really. They were Christian. Well, Katy Perry started as a Christian singer. I think. I think she's looped back around to being Christian again. And well, her parents were very things. Christian. Yeah, and but then she Creed. got all sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she kissed a girl, apparently. And there was Creed in their crossover as well. Yes, everybody loved Creed in the mm-hmm. late 90s in my high school. But March has a good point when she tells Lisa, in the real world, I would never hire an eight-year-old to babysit anyone ever. Yeah, this episode is identifying that major problem with the plot. Like, why would anyone hire an eight-year-old? But we're also running into the fact that Lisa is, in fact, eight years old. And mm. while she's extremely mature, she's having to kind of grapple with that fact. And I think... I think all of us can relate to the idea of what I'm very, I was very mature. And then you look back at, you know, when you're eight or nine years old and you go, you are not that mature. We were all precocious kids here, I'm, I would believe. But that, I mean, I regret everything I've done up until a week ago. So. <laughs> but yeah, when I was eight, I probably, yeah, just a week ago. I probably thought I was smarter than regular eight year olds, but I look back on it now like, no, you're fucking eight you can you couldn't do anything you certainly couldn't cook dinner or make sure a kid didn't drown you couldn't do those things i had good taste as an eight-year-old henry (laughs) yeah eight years old would have been a little bit much for me to actually be babysitting a kid so it makes sense within the story but i mean lisa is kind of a genius oh yeah and she's straining like so many very 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 smart children she is straining against the bounds of her age Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have any perspective to be able to just sit back and kind of enjoy the fact that she has absolutely no responsibility or have to worry about really anything because her parents are taking care of her which that's a good line later where lisa at lard of the dance where lisa points out like can we just enjoy being kids and being filthy and gross and have no (laughs) responsibility you know this also reminds me of summer of four foot two because both kind of strain the reality of these unaging kids that like were this a live action show lisa would be 16 by now and the actor would be too that's true so plots about yearbooks and also becoming a babysitter would actually fit better with an aging Lisa as opposed to one who is eight forever. No, that's totally true. Meanwhile, in Summer Foot Foot 2, she's also reading Gore Vidal. So that, yeah. uh, I think I, that's, that's why the, the first babysitting job she gets it comes from an extreme situation where uh, they have no other option. Yes. That we Qu- have that. Quite extreme, yeah. yes. 
Homer, I've got a fuzzy of a bear of a problem. Yeah, Maud and her mother were visiting Tyre and Sidon, the twin cities of the Holy Land. They must have kneeled in the wrong place and prayed to the wrong God because they're being held prisoner by militants of some sort. Hmm. Militants, huh? Well, if I were you, I'd kick their asses. Well, any hoodly-doodle. The embassy says it's just a routine hostage-taking, but I have to drive to Capital City, fill out some forms to get them out. Could you possibly watch the kids tonight? Oh, gee, I'd really love to want to help you, Flanders, but uh, Marge was <laughs> taken prisoner in the uh, Holy Land. and uh... I'll do it. I'll babysit. Oh, I don't know, Lisa. You're awfully young, and the boys can be a handful. Todd's been pinching everyone lately. But I'm smart and responsible, and my parents will be right next door. Well, what do you say, Homer? Can Lisa babysit for my kids? Please, please, please. Uh, I'll have to ask her. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> so Tyre and Sidon are two holy cities from the Old Testament. The twin cities of the yes. Holy Land. <laughs> and now they are currently in Lebanon. So oh, okay. they're being held hostage by Lebanese terrorists, mm. I guess. That Twin Cities thing really spoke to you as a Twin Cityite. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose Ned Flander would find the Twin Cities to be pretty cool. <laughs> well, for him, Jerusalem is probably played out like Tyre and Sidon. That's more exciting. Oh, you yeah. He's got a very level head about the sausage uh, situation. He's like, I got to fill out some forms. I got to drive to Capital City. <laughs> that's, well, that's the joke. Yes. Right. Well, him, him with that ribbon makes it all the realer of just like, he's wearing this ribbon of like, this is a national emergency. Yeah. <laughs> like, this would actually. This would be a national news national news two, yeah because i'm sure mod was christian women kidnapped in the middle east i'm is, sure she was proselytizing i think oh, yeah. he's underplaying the fact that she probably went over to be a missionary or do missionary work mm, yeah because she seems pretty she, she seems pretty like evangelical and she did learn to be more judgmental on her trip <laughs> <laughs> over the summer oh that's true at bible camp <laughs> so lebanon is where hezbollah is based if i'm I think sure. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. want to piss them off. <laughs> I, I don't know. I might call line the episode Homer's uh, excuse yeah. back to Ned is so <laughs> funny. I'd like to want to help you, and and it's great acting by Dan Castellaneta as he's like. I've got to come up with a lie. <laughs> and he kind of knows that he's like, I can't just say what he just said back to me, but I'm not thinking anything better. He's like. Holy land, and uh, he holds Flanders in such low regard, he's willing to just repeat what Flanders said to him as an ex- as his excuse. A fuzzy of a bear of a situation. Yeah, I like that too. And then Homer, this is some jerk ass Homer here slamming that door in his face after hearing about like he won't babysit their kids when he she's been held hostage. I mean, Homer's always been the most jerk ass of jerk ass to Flanders, even when he was quote unquote not jerk ass Homer. It's I mean, true. Stealing all of his stuff just he, in generally tra- treating him like giving garbage him a, giving his noggin, noggin a flogging flog and, and wanting him to burn alive in Homer the Heretic season 4 yeah. so yeah he's always been that it's true <laughs> This characterization of Rod and Todd. Now, Todd is a smaller one, of course. Is, is he younger than Lisa, or is he I Lisa's think, age? I think, especially when they say they're two years apart, I do think you're supposed to peg them as eight and ten, just like Bart and Lisa. And because Rod's biggest role in the series was in Dead Putting Society, where yeah. he was much different than this. He was just sort of like a regular kid. I also think, you know... Or was it Todd? Was it Rod? Or was it the older kid in Dead it was Todd. Society? It was okay. Todd. Uh, Wait. They get those mixed up. Yeah. Todd became the smaller one, but that's not how it always was. Okay. Really? But I do think they're supposed, Rod and Todd, I think, are supposed to be Bart and Lisa's age also because when 
Ned first met Homer in the flashback episode, he only has one kid with him who is Bart's age. So, which I take to mean he only had one kid at the time. Ah, oh, well, shit, no. <laughs> when he babysits Bart when Lisa is born, they're both there. Iron helps us play. So they're definitely not the same age as Bart and Lisa. Shit. Yeah, you're right. In Dead Putting Society, Todd is the older child that Bart mm-hmm. enters the competition well, with. Well, I remember Nancy Cartwright saying on commentary, it's like, I played 15 rods and 75 Todds, and it's <laughs> yeah. just, it, it, mix, it gets mixed up. In this one, I think uh, Nancy is the older boy, Rod, and I think it's Pamela Hayden that is Todd, the younger boy. I Who think are so. Rod and Todd really? A deep yeah. dive investigation with Talking Simpsons. <laughs> well, this is, this does, like I said, this really sets, this is where they found what they like about Rod and Todd and what they like about Rod and Todd is making fun of very sheltered, very wussy in quotes type of kids who, who are like homeschooled and toothless to such a degree that they could not operate in feral child society yeah. like a public feral school. child. I, I thought, I thought is... we had that already though, because at one point Bart and Lisa show them itchy and scratchy and like Rod and or Todd, is sitting there it's red stuff pale. Out of the ears. Yeah, like yeah. they're extremely sheltered even at this time. That's true. So I guess it was Todd, the younger child in Dead Putting Society, but they get the voices mixed up all the time because okay. they're not internally consistent about the voices. Well, this was still at the time when they were kind of treating Ron and Todd as the rival kids. Mm-hmm. And Flanders, instead of being the goody two shoes evangelical, he's much more of like the much more successful neighbor with the perfect kids <laughs> and the perfect wife and the perfect house yeah this characterization of ron and todd reminds me a lot of uh you know won't someone think of the children because i think the joke here is like this is what happens when you protect children too much they can't handle simple everyday problems or even (laughs) the idea of robots or a ladybug yeah or moss yeah no bug attacks (laughs) though this feels like it is the step onto the road that brings us to jokes like one i really didn't like of lisa having to like bathe with a hose outside and rod and Todd like watching her from a window. Yeah. I really don't like that joke. Oh, it's a gross. Lisa is like in a bathing suit when it's happening, but it's still just like this is a gross joke you'd make. That when they go to more like creepy creep sheltered. town, that they've become creepier by being sheltered. So like Norman Bates style creepiness. Yes, so it's like yeah. a sheltered person we who's all also knew pervy. The extremely sheltered kid, right? Mm-hmm. Who also has weird sexual stuff starting <laughs> to come out for them. Well, that's also they get a good joke out of that. Eh, an all right joke out of that in the future episode where they are both kind of gay-ish guys and cut off. Gay in a very 70s way. Yes, (laughs) who who still live with their dad for some reason. Here is Rod and Todd as we shall know them from now on. Where are the dice? Daddy says dice are wicked. We just move one space at a time. It's less fun that way. (laughs) Moth! Moth! And thank you for sending Lisa to protect us from the bug you sent. <laughs> and please make Lisa tell us a bedtime story about robots. Name Rod and Todd. Amen. Once there was a robot named Todd. Did he have a brother? 
Yes, he had a brother robot named Rod, who was two space years older than him. I don't like this story. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Sleeping quietly after a bug attack. And Todd's as dry as a bone. Lisa, you're a wonder. I'm going to recommend you to everybody. This episode does a lot of work in selling you the idea that Lisa could be a babysitter at eight years old, where I think a lot of episodes wouldn't spend an entire act justifying Mm -hmm. that idea. Like, no, she can do it. She's eight, but she'll do it. But I think in the future, they wouldn't care. Like, Lisa can just, like, run for president. Who cares? Lisa can (laughs) be the mayor for a day. But in this one, they're like, we have to show the audience that this is a plausible idea that people would get into. Love the acting. I'm like, I don't like this story. Like, I I had that reaction as a kid. If something got too scary for me, it wouldn't be that someone is two space years older than me. But it's it's a very real kid reaction there. I, I feel like Rod and Todd being a handful is played off as kind of a laugh line. But I expect that they are actually are kind of a handful because mm. one of them clearly wets the bed, and they get extremely scared of random stories and bugs. <laughs> and I. expect that they have a lot of management that is kind of required. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also love the uh, the very humorous Christian sentiment of thank you for sending Lisa to protect us from the bug, bug you sent. Yeah. They're not mad that God sent a bug to them and they're questioning like, why'd you send a bug in the first place? They're just happy that Lisa was sent to protect him yeah. from that bug. Sense. Don't question God. Don't think about it too much. But <laughs> I, whenever I see a moth, I'm always like, moth, 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 moth. <laughs> I mean, I, I freak out to a degree too. I are a mosquito i'm like ah yeah i, I don't like la- ladybugs much either <laughs> oh they're cute they're i'll let cute. a uh, i think the, they, when they infest your house they are not so cute i've never had that give you a wish or something can you wish on a ladybug i've done it i've never had i've never seen lots of ladybugs at once so i've not had an infestation of them so they <laughs> they've always just been cute to me and was that board game they were playing the same one from when they go and live with the f- good uh, samaritan it did look similar to it didn't it yeah except in that case they wouldn't take away the dice because they were in bot they were in the uh the pop-o-matic, bu- pop-o-matic. Yeah. yeah so oh okay ah. different game but uh, up next we have <laughs> lisa babysitting for the wiggums and a nice slam on bob sag which we heard at the beginning of this episode i love that joke yeah they, they <laughs> timed that joke for me perfectly as a kid ah, because, crap. <laughs> because i obviously as a child Bob Saget was friendly dad on TV who uh, then showed me funny uh, videos. It didn't get any lamer than Bob Saget. He was in the, the lamest loser dork in the world. But in '95, Full House got canceled. And by 96 into 97, he was free to start appearing on The Daily Show and be like, I'm actually filthy. I'm the filth comic. I'm a comic now. So I was getting to know him as a Wait a minute. He was a, high, he was a stand-up comic in the 80s. I didn't know of that, though. Uh, yeah. I, it, was, it became news to me only once he, he left Full House. So that's why it was good timing, this joke, because I was like, Oh, he is a comedian now, and I would be disappointed to have tickets to that over Bob Seeker. <laughs> yeah, I would say he was more of a hack as a filthy comic than as a fun TV dad. It just he was trying way too hard, and a lot of it was just like, "What if I fucked the Olsen twins? Huh? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that Ew. be funny?" Yeah. What if I said more dirty words? Yeah, I mean, there are worse dirty comics, but I also think like I don't know. I'd say somebody like Anthony Jeselnik at least finds he says the filthiest thing you can think of, but he at least finds clever. In- inroads to that there's some artistry to it not just saying the filthiest words you can is bob yeah. saget kind of I, I will say he's, he's probably written good jokes but i think the main novelty of seeing him in this era was like the dad's gonna say the f word yeah. the dad we saw 
which they were still fucking doing on his Comedy Central roaster. I'm like, we've done this enough, haven't we? Haven't we? Didn't he turn his reputation around with the aristocrats? Was that about the time? He was, uh, I mean, people got more respect for him because he was one of the funnier guys in the aristocrats. (laughs) The aristocrats. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I want to say aristocrats, too. I I maybe, my dangerous opinion about that movie is it's Uh it's tedious and empty. (laughs) And and it's meaningless. (laughs) Uh, Who cares? What an SJW, man. It has what? Oh, are you talking about aristocrats or Uh, aristocats? Because I think both of them are pretty uh, bad. Both, but I've only (laughs) seen the aristocrats, and it was the what the worst person you know would show you. Mm -hmm. You go, I want to see something cool? Which shows you how cool they are, Bob. They don't let nothing get to them. They're so edgy that they'll watch people saying rape jokes for two hours. It really (laughs) was kind of a different era of comedy. No, yeah, stuff, things have changed, and I'm sure uh, in some people's opinions, for the worse, I don't agree with that but uh, anyway <laughs> bob's is bob seeger still doing stuff i don't know i barely know anything about bob seeger this feels like a very kind of old person in it, the 90s it is kind a of very band. dad band a yeah. dad guy to be into before my time perhaps in the summertime Aw, Clancy and Sarah could get down to that. Also, he wrote, probably did. <laughs> he wrote one of the worst songs ever, old time rock and roll. Oh. Sorry, he recorded one of the worst songs ever. Uh, that that recording is the, what we all know it from. Don't want to play it. No, don't play it, please. <laughs> That kind of music, you're right, though, does get the Wiggums in the mood, I bet. Mm-hmm. It's funny when they go from that scene to then her helping Ralph get dressed in his old-timey button seat pajamas. Yeah. Uh, they have to have... or they Coveralls cho- that don't quite cover all. <laughs> <laughs> they choose to have a family portrait inside there just for newer viewers to know what the Wiggum family oh, is. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's a good touch. It's a cute it's a cute moment there. I Sarah Wiggum, she's, I, I like her. I want to know more about about Sarah and why she's a clone of her husband. I thought we outlawed clones. <laughs> dress myself. It's a good Ralph line. It's a, dress myself is a really good Ralph line. Yeah. Then we also get to see Homer in his tuxedo. I like a good tuxedo rental joke mm-hmm. and getting though get all the mileage out of it. Though I didn't do that when I rented my tuxedo that I got uh, married in. Which well, uh, it was white. Yeah, it was white. It's even riskier to eat pizza with that. I've never worn a tuxedo, but my girlfriend rented one once because it's a novelty when you're in high school and you're a girl. Oh and yeah, you get to wear a tuxedo and it's kind of dangerous. I think uh, it was fun. I'm looking at the picture of it now on the thing. It was fun. I used one of those. Uh, they're not paying us to advertise, so I'm not going to say their name. But I used one of those online tuxedo rental things, and it worked out pretty good especially because you can just go to jam it through the mail slot i did jam it through the mail (laughs) slot uh but also in in this case in san francisco they had their own try it on store for fitting so i could even just do a fitting in person at the store which is pretty nice but they're wonderful tuxedos because they call back to mario odyssey ah yep yeah that was that was all darren's idea so we know that mario and bowser are both virgins (laughs) that's very important i would agree with that well hmm, boy where's that bowser jr come from Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but lisa's quite a popular babysitter thanks for the ride well you did a first-rate job of babysitting I've never seen such a responsible young lady. Thank you, Dr. Hibbert. Your trust means so much to me. I only wish my Volvo mechanic were as reliable. (laughs) Good night, Lisa. (laughs) 
paid all that money for sitting around and watching TV and eating food? There's a lot more to it than that, Bart. I don't just babysit. I sell peace of mind for a dollar an hour. Two dollars after nine o'clock. Man, if I was making that kind of money, I'd be out of here so fast. <laughs> I love Hibbert driving away fully reclined. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great visual. Moments like that, I love that Hibbert knows he's a sitcom character. He's like, well, that's it, my joke, goodbye. Yeah. And he, he just jams the gas while, I would think, staring at his ceiling. <laughs> like, he can't see where he's going. Or his feet, or like the pedals. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he have three kids? He has more than One three, One that's I like think. a teenager? Well, they got rid of the Theo kid. Oh, yeah, the Theo kid, maybe he's gone off to college, so that's why they need a babysitter. Oh, okay, that makes sense. The Rudy kid, maybe, I think, babysitting that kid. Yeah, it's a lot of kids at once to take care of. I don't know. I was just thinking that there's a whole hidden story going on there, because at least one of them has to be older than Lisa. Mm. Did they resent Lisa? Mm. Did she, was she able to prove herself? Ooh, I want, you know, yeah, there's, there's a story there. My theory is they're having an intervention for Beatrice. Oh. Or Bernice, sorry, Bernice. Bernice. I'm thinking of Duckman, <laughs> which we'll see in the next episode, 18th Amendment. Yes, in the next episode. It's all paying oh, off. Oh, God, we're all, I'm, I'm so mixed up. They're having an intervention for Hibbert's wife. Mm. And the one of the kids is too young for it. So, <laughs> oh my god, that's uh, I love that. I, it all I, makes sense. I also well, it's a, this is pretty much Simpsons canon. We've done our job. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a very sibling thing to have one sibling see the other succeeding and just see the fruits of their labor. I'm like, I want that money. Why don't I get that money? You can do a lot better than two dollars and not a dollar an hour. Lisa. She's undercharged, especially in 1997. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and I like too that it looks like a fat wad of cash. Lisa has, but it's all ones, which would seem like a lot to an eight-year-old, I would think. That's it is a very kid thing that she's doing is methodically laying out her money and just like counting it. And oh my about it. all the time. I think yeah. I got paid like $25, $30 just for one evening. Wow. And this was good. would have been it's like those, 1996. Uh, fat cat Twin Cities money <laughs> floating around. <laughs> Two so nights it goes like, pretty far. <laughs> you can go get a streetcar and <laughs> go to the <laughs> movies, the pie. cinema house, steak and kitty pie. Uh, but two, two nights of that and you can get yourself a copy of Turok. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, Turok fund is growing. And also Bart's Bart's statement of like, I'd be out of here so fast. Yes, yeah. It's like he's still, like he said, he's stuck here till he, he can steal a car. He's but still it, dreaming. But that. it's also reflective of your weird, skewed idea of money when you're a kid. Like mm-hmm. when I was Bart's age, I was kind of like $100. Oh my God. If I had $100, I'd be set for life. That would my be it. My life would change. <laughs> yep. $300. That's it. I'm I can't set. even fathom that amount of money. <laughs> I could buy a Super Nintendo and some games i could buy two games so it's the big night for homer and marge and i it's uh, pretty sad that bart can't see this coming there's a weird little line before the clip here where it's not for a joke that lisa says marge smells like vanilla it's just i guess i took it as just it's supposed to be a contrast to how homer is i suppose and maybe the perfume is kind of cheap you know, maybe I don't know, but uh, but Homer also saying like, can you see the pie stains? Like mm. that's that's cute. Though you can't see the pie stains; it's not in the character model. That's true. <laughs> I love the monocle. Yes, he has had more than I thought he would after this. A scene. monocle is a lot of work to keep in your face too. It's such <laughs> a Homer thing in, where yeah. he's overdressing. Because they say it's a black tie affair, but most people are just kind of wearing. Yeah, people are business casual at best at that party. (laughs) And he's showing up in a friggin' tux with a monocle. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice. Dad, you look totally classy. You could be Abe Lincoln's father's boss. Can you see the pie stains? It'll be dark. Mm -hmm. So when's Grandpa getting here to babysit? 
Grandpa's not coming. No, not Patty and Selma. Actually, Bart, Lisa's going to be in charge tonight. What? I know she's young, but Lisa has proven herself mature and dependable. Dad, help me out. Take it like a man, boy, and do everything your little sister says. This is an outrage. I am two years and 38 days older than she is. This is the greatest injustice in the history of the world. Well, we have to run. I'm sure you kids will work things out. Good night. Make sure he brushes his teeth, Lisa. Marge is being a really bad parent there. Yeah. The tension is obvious. This is not going to be a good night. It's hilarious that she goes like, well, goodbye. I got to go. So you can figure this out. That's uh, that's a point where a lot of people kind of part ways with this episode is that Homer and Marge make such a self-evidently horrible decision mm. because it's not going to hold up because best case, Bart just goes, I'm not listening to you. I'm bigger than you. Deal with it. In universe, Bart has driven a babysitter insane before. Yes, He's actually, saying. I want to talk about the history of babysitters <laughs> yeah. on the Simpsons. Okay. So famously, the first episode was supposed to be about a babysitter, Some Enchanted That's Evening, right. but it ended up being the last episode because of all the production problems. So there's uh, Lucille Botts. There's also the whatever in that episode, the rubber baby buggy bumper babysitting service. That wouldn't do a it anymore. A terrible joke. Yeah. But it had got, yeah. it got uh, what's her face on? June Foray. June Foray, thank you. Uh, also, we have Miguel Sanchez as a babysitter. <laughs> uh, Laura Powers, Grandpa Simpson. Am I forgetting anybody? Hmm. Laura Powers actually does a great job. She's a good babysitter. She yeah. teaches them how to dance and gets uh, food from two guys from Tibet, was uh, it? Or? Mm, no, Afghanistan. Okay, yeah. Who's the, who does Bart say to... So he goes, like, back from war, eh? Uh, just the unnamed girl who then oh. runs away screaming <laughs> after the joke from... That's oh, right, Homer Badman. Yeah, well, no, that that's separate from Homer Badman. Does she have a name? Ashley Grant. Okay, a very boring name. That babysitter, but... I think the, that's all the babysitters they've had so far. The one I was referring to was in War of the Simpsons, where a potential babysitter comes over and she runs away screaming, and uh, so they just use Grandpa. Yeah. So there, there's that one, too. And Bart brings up other babysitters that they've had in the past, like Grandpa and Patty and Selma, so they're yeah. establishing some canon there. Which they, yeah, uh, yeah, Selma, Patty and Selma babysat for them when they went to the rib, all-you-can-eat uh, barbecue ribs place. Mm-hmm. And in Homer Alone. I imagine that Homer and Marge are so desperate for a time alone that they're willing to take any opportunity they possibly can to yeah. not have to owe a favor to Grandpa or Patty and Summer. I guess. You can see, like, Marge is clearly desperate to leave, to get out of the house. But she is leaving Lisa to hell, mm-hmm. though. I also, in this But viewing, they think she can handle it, because they, she yeah. is a genius. Yeah. They should know Bart by now. is oh, like yeah. literally a hellion who has driven women insane, babysitters mm. insane. No, Bart, put that down. <laughs> no. no. Reminds me yeah. of... Cal- <laughs> there's that one, too. Yeah. yeah. No, Bart, no. <laughs> Reminds me of Calvin and Hobbes where Calvin has his big rival with rivalry with his babysitter oh, yeah. as well. Except that ones. she kind of has gets the best of him. He's yeah. always doing crazy things. She's smart and cool. And every yeah. time the parents would come home, they'd have to give her more money. <laughs> yeah, she's good. I, yeah. I respect her. I, I think my favorite one of those in Calvin and Hobbes was the stupendous man one. Yes, that was the best one. Mm, I love that. I always loved when he would bring stupendous man into other areas of the comic when was it was running around in his underwear and she's like what the heck are you doing <laughs> and he's like stupendous man away and then he also would try to do the comic book thing of like well i don't know who this guy is you're talking about i've been upstairs <laughs> studying and then she immediately was like no you're lying. it works much better than quail man i gotta say Ugh, yuck. the rest of this episode 
is kind of painful more than just the dislocated arm we get later in that it is a lot of just like very vicious little kid behavior, very realistically observed. Yep. And it reminds me too much of me and my sister and all of the weird like uh, kid logic you would use in shitty little fights you would have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not like writerly. It's just it's very, very observational and very like just kids being kids. And that is very uncomfortable for me. A lot of people don't like it. And... But I'm kind of the flip side. I actually do like it because it's Bart acting much more naturally as a 10-year-old. It's very well done, but it, I think it's so well done that it's hard. It's almost hard to watch. They're just sure. being little vicious kids <laughs> to each other. I feel bad for Lisa in this yeah, instance because yeah. I've been in the Lisa role where you're just being tormented by somebody who is doing things like go to bread. Yeah. Where they're well, taking every little pedantic thing <laughs> that you say and turning it back on you. Well, here's a here's an interesting view I had on it, though, this time, is that when Marge reveals that it's going to be Lisa, Lisa then starts grinning behind Bart. And I think that shows you that before they told Bart, they did tell Lisa. This yeah. is not a surprise to Lisa, mm-hmm. and they planned it with her. So if they planned it with her, then she seemed to think this would go better than it did, which I if think, she did, yeah. then that was a... Huge well, she mistake she on had her a, part. She thought she had a win. I guess she's, she's a, like, I'm in charge she's now. She's beat her brother for sure. Like, this is a big win on him. It it infantilizes him to a degree, which like that's, it always feels good when you can get a win on a sibling through a parent. That is the ultimate arbiter of like, you beat your sibling tonight because a parent took your side. And I was babysitting my sister by 10. So like, <laughs> I think also she's received so much praise from all of these adults. She's overestimated her ability to handle Bart's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she thinks she's, she's, she's in way over her head, but she's been, her head has been inflated by all of this <laughs> praise for her honestly good work as a babysitter. She can handle Dr. Hibbert's kids. I mean, what else what else can Bart possibly offer? Also, I got to think Ralph is more problems uh, to babysit than they would show in that one little scene. How awkward that is that, that she babysat the kid that she went on a date with once. <laughs> oh, God. I, never, I didn't even think about that. Uh, well, Ralph has lost a few IQ points since that episode. <laughs> sure yeah. has. And his acting ability. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's been sniffing paint or something at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got brain damage. <laughs> uh, so we come back. Lisa is microwaving lima beans, which like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, come on, boil those at least if they're frozen lima beans beans like you said it's not clever it's just very real Bart's reaction like you're so dead you're dead like that's that's what a little kid would say to the another little kid who they were mad at well they kind of softened Bart's personality I suppose over the past few seasons and I suppose this is getting back to basics with him bad boy Bart he's doing realistic little bad kid things he's not doing outlandish strange bizarre pranks that no child could do he's just doing (laughs) doing prank calls and you know getting food everywhere and not eating his dinner and things like that and banging his head against the the wall i'm actually a baby oh god i hate that part instead of setting up a giant tree that's going to smash their uh, substitute teacher in the face yeah exactly (laughs) these are all things a kid could do meanwhile homer is pretty jerk ass in this scene here (laughs) oh i love this pedestrian mall it's practically no traffic We should be driving here. The mayor's yelling at us. Stop, you idiot. All right, all right. Jeez. Okay, honey. Remember where we're parked. They're parked on the children's message of peace. So I like how the car knocked over the uh, red 
velvet rope or yes. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, so why I call this a jerk ass scene, Homer's always been this like stupid. And what makes it extra jerk ass to me is when Marge is like, please, you should park. That he has a very like bad husband reaction. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> enough, you battle axe. I'll park. Like, is this. Marge is right, Homer. You need to park this car. And his reaction of just acting like she's being a jerk for telling him to park. It's a great fear of mine to end up in a situation like that where I'm driving through a place I'm clearly not supposed to be and people are all around me. <laughs> that is... Uh, I've seen cars do that. That's or, an, been an anxiety dream of mine, too. Yeah, like uh, I went the wrong way down a one-way street. I And everyone knows I drove wrong and they're all judging me. Oh, no. Yeah, and people are yelling, <laughs> stop, you idiot. Uh, yes, yeah. Good. Good, uh, nice like Doppler effect on uh, on Wh- Quimby going like stop you. I mean, I I drove once in New York City when I had to drop a friend oh, off God. there, and that's how I felt every second. Like I'm I'm doing everything wrong. Well, the first time I moved to San Francisco, and the number of times that you can't turn left on a lot of the streets in San Francisco, so driving in San Francisco is a freaking nightmare. Just I mean, trying to drive in downtown hell. San Francisco and navigate. From one side of Market Street to the other. Yeah, so many streets are one-way streets, too. Yeah. You're, you're very apt to end up in a situation like Homer just did. No, my my mom, uh, only for my wedding did my mom and stepdad drive through San Francisco. They never want to do that any other time because oh, it's does? just too stressful. But we weren't going to take the BART to my to City Hall for nah. my wedding. Uh, oh, it was a very sweet day. But yeah, so I couldn't tell if there was an original source for this because there are countless trite drawings of kids holding hands across the globe. Like, I don't know if there's any direct reference for this because when mm-hmm. i did a google search for it there were just like 800 different versions of this like some with jesus on them some without but it reminds uh, me of the whole we are the world thing with michael jackson oh yeah uh, that was, or that was or buy the world a coke it has a very feeling of that so too. we were all that was a huge thing in the what late 80s so I we suppose. are the world yeah. yeah yeah i think it's just the thing you could put in a major capitalist set up where it's like see we care about kids here's a thing that we asked the school to do it's somewhat a political message of peace question mark question mark hey for these kids huh talk about the kids acting real like this is not just part but also this feels like the first time in a long time maggie has acted like a baby (laughs) a real baby in here yeah may i have some more lima beans please certainly more than that certainly more (laughs) More? More. Uh, maybe you should eat the ones you have. I didn't say I was going to eat them. I just wanted to look at them because they're so gross. What's for dessert? <laughs> Bart, if you don't want to have a babysitter, maybe you should stop being such a baby. Oh, I'm a baby, huh? Well, then I'll act like a baby. Gaga, goo Even babies know how to open and close their mouths. <laughs> you need a bib. Oh, baby, hey, bib. Wah, wah. Oh, look, Bart, now you got Maggie all upset. Relax, I'll give her some ice cream. Bart, that's coffee ice cream. It has caffeine in it. Well, I guess that'll make things more interesting for you now, won't it? I see a major problem with this in that Bart should also not have coffee ice cream at night. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but that's my favorite kind of ice cream, by the way. Mm, so it's, good. it's the only coffee way I like coffee. I don't like hot coffee or even iced coffee. But you don't ice- like coffee? No, I never, I never, I live a pretty caffeine-free life, guys. You Mormon, you. It's the only healthy thing about me, I will (laughs) say. Hey, black coffee's good for you, I've been told. (laughs) No, well, when I've ever had, I feel like I've told this story before, 
before, but the last time I really had coffee when I was like, I was doing a comic convention for a website that sucks. And uh, when I was oh, at you it, mean fandom, yes, at fandom. <laughs> so when I was at that, it was the second day and I was exhausted already. I was like, I need to pick me up. I never have caffeine. I'm going to drink this Frappuccino, this like pre-bottled. I'm not even going to go into a Starbucks and get a new Frappuccino. It's going to be one of those pre-bottled ones you buy at a CVS. So I drink that. And an hour later, my hands are like shaking. I cannot stop shaking my hands. And I feel like I'm about to have like a panic attack. I'm like, what happened? Why do I feel this bad? And then I remembered I drank one thing (laughs) of coffee and I had way too much energy. Like it fucked up my whole day. So that's why I just can't. It And another time, the only other time I remember having coffee in like the last five years was I was in Tokyo also feeling very tired and I walked by you had Mc- a boss coffee, didn't you? No, oh, no. I was I was those are really good, aren't they? I was walking by a McDonald's that was just giving away iced coffees, but like a half a size thing of it. And I drank it and I had a headache the rest of the day. It was wow. just too much. I don't even think I have a ceiling on my coffee intake Me anymore <laughs> because I work from home and just like I drink yeah. coffee all day. I have at least two I have at least have a pot a day. Yeah. yeah. And and then like I'll oh. go out somewhere to do more writing or do more podcast stuff. I'll be like, well, I more coffee. I can't not drink more coffee. <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'll and be then, flying somewhere and the flight attendant will be like, Do you want any coffee or cream or sugar with your? I'm like, No, just give it to me black. Exactly. And I've let me tell you guys, I got a real problem with you. You non coffee people. People in line at the coffee place mm-hmm. getting your fancy milkshakes <laughs> and your little mixed dealies and I just want black coffee. Just give it to me. Put it in my veins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> get in, get out of the line. I want my black coffee. But I do like coffee ice cream. That's the one exception it I make. Good. Yes, with little chunks of bean but, in it. Mm. I, love Le- I love Maggie on a caffeine addiction because she becomes like a monkey or something because she's yeah. climbing... On the shower curtain rod a little bit later. These are superhuman powers. (laughs) Well, in uh, Reardon mentions on the commentary, they cut out animation for her. So she just kind of pops from pose to pose when she's looking around. Like she's that hyped up from it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it is also, it's so real. Like, yeah, wah, wah, I'm the baby. Lisa's trying to really meet Bart halfway too. She's like, you made me waste a bunch of lima beans. And, but I'm still going to be nice here. Look. I'm going straight to ice cream. Just have your ice cream. He's like, no. He, she's like, dealing with a 10-year-old boy. Yeah. I mean, you were, you have a younger brother. You know that brothers can be kind of awful. Oh, I would have never wanted to. My my little brother wouldn't have listened to me babysitting him. And I technically was older than him and had society on my side <laughs> as the older one. No jury would convict you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go over all of the stores at the waterfront because really there's a good. bunch of them. There's a, this is like sign gag city. So here are all the stores that are there that I spotted. So there's uh, Turban Outfitters, eh. Just Rain Sticks. That's my favorite. Uh, I love It's a Wonderful Knife. That's my favorite. <laughs> my first tattoo, which is, uh, I, there's a lot of great animation of children getting tattoos in the window. <laughs> uh, much Ado About Muffins, uh, Crypto Barn, A Place for Codes. And for some reason, uh, Herman is hanging out in front of there. Yeah, that's odd. Uh, He's diversifying. Uh, itchy and Scratchy Store with Poochie Closeout Sale. I love that gag, and it looks like a Disney store. It's it really, really does. That's the point. Because yeah. Disney uh, stores were becoming a thing in the mid-90s. Oh, right? yeah, and I loved them as a kid. But the Poochie closeout sale, I nice, love that nice little bit of continuity yes, from, from my favorite episode. Yep. Uh, Malaria Zone with a, a Tsitsi Fly shirt sale instead of a T-shirt <laughs> I, sale. I think that's supposed to be like the Amazon I, Cafe. I thought Banana yeah. Republic. That was, oh, my, okay. that was my Marge first. name checks it. Uh, and then Planet Hype, uh, Planet Hollywood. 
And we talked to, well, at least we asked Dan Graney about this, but at some point they were asked to write an episode including the main people from Planet Hollywood. The the, the now not famous, but then famous restaurant chain, it was Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Sylvester Stallone. And they were told, like, if you write a script and mention Planet Hollywood in it, these guys will all do the episode. So they did that. And then they found out it was a publicist who had the request, and they were not being honored by the there actual celebrities. There was no commitment from yeah. the celebrities. And I have, to, I have to wonder, who wrote that script, and what portions of it made it into other episodes in the future? They wouldn't <laughs> have just thrown it away if they wrote an entire script. Have you guys been to a Planet Hollywood? I have. I never have, no. I went once. Oh, there wait, was I'd, a Planet Hollywood once. in the Mall of America. Ooh, and wow. I went, and How it's authentic. kind of a crappy chain restaurant with a lot of paraphernalia, and it actually didn't last that long. <laughs> No, this is when they were, I mean, I think they had been a thing since the late 80s, but this is when they had, like, celebrity endorsement and they were expanding before they... It was very cool, you know, in 1996. Well, themed restaurants were just kind of everywhere in the late 90s. One of my favorite Upright Citizens episodes is all about themed restaurants. I'm sorry, Henry. (laughs) Yeah, when they say, like, there's a themed restaurant popping up every five minutes in America. We have to, we, this is where chaos can breed. Mm -hmm. And now me and Bob have talked many times about how the, uh, the overly babysitting manager from that episode is one of the funniest That's things ever. Probably my favorite sketch from that <laughs> entire series. We did the episode together. With my where, hands. We did the episode together where Mo did his theme restaurant. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely we, of that era. We talked a little bit about kind of the rise of those chains like TGI Fridays, TGI McScratchies. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this is a fairly new things circa early 1990s like it wasn't actually that played out in 1997 you know i wonder if they took some of the jokes from their planet hollywood script and put it in that mo one i wonder Mm. if that's where Mm. some of it came from the i've been to a planet hollywood i thought it was fine i mean it's just like more expensive strip mall type food the I guess it depends on your one too. Like you get you can as somebody who likes movies and likes movie trivia, it's fun to be like, oh, that's a prop from this film. What an odd film to see wow. here. It's the Alec Baldwin suit from The Phantom. <laughs> exactly. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, The Shadow. The Phantom yeah, was a different. That movie. was Billy Zane. That's right. Slam and Evil. But uh, <laughs> but I I I liked Planet Hollywood more than the only other one of these I went to that is like at the Hard Rock Cafe. I've only went to that once uh, at Universal Studios Florida, and it was actually awful because uh, it was during a day when my friends ditched me. It was for a school field trip, and my group immediately ditched me, which made me feel very good. Oh, sad. Mm. Uh, but then I found new another group of guys who couldn't ditch me, and I wouldn't let them. <laughs> uh, and then we went to Hard Rock Cafe, and... Uh, it's one of B.B. King's guitars! Well, yeah, it was not interesting to me, and I felt bad for our... Now I look back on it, I feel bad for our server, because if I'm a server who is now serving only a group of 14-year-old kids, you would think, these kids are not going to tip me, and I fucking hate them. Yes. but They're going to uh, leave a huge mess. Well, and so I only ordered w- wings... And I swear to God, there was a fly on my wings uh, it, it, that I didn't put there. But when I told the server that you put they put the fly on the wings, no, they. But I think the server thought I did and was fucking with them to get free food. I was like, hey, there's a fly uh, on the this. old fly gag again, uh, eh? But that was pretty nice too. I think uh, that was pretty nice too because everybody else was like, 
well, let's split the bill. And like, I hate splitting the bill. Even as a 14 year old, I was like, this is the worst, but I could just say like, well, they comped my food. So I don't got to split this bill with you guys. Go, go right ahead. There was no Venmo in 1996. I have thankfully never set foot in a hard rock cafe. However, when I was in high school, I went on a school trip to London. Yes. And my God, cat. And a whole bunch of people went to Hard Rock Cafe for some reason because that was cool, which... Uh, I mean, I guess. I think I may have alluded to how friggin' lame my school high school was. <laughs> they all loved Creed, and they all went you to went Hard to London, Rock Cafe though. in London. <laughs> yes, I went to, like, the kid jail for our school trip. We spent a solid year raising money for that <laughs> I trip, see. I might add. At least eat at a London chain restaurant. Like I, I will have you know that I did. I went okay. to a proper pub. Oh, that's nice. Because <laughs> uh, you could drink student? at 18. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just Rain Sticks is my favorite because those were the things I would go straight to at those types of stores in malls. I'd be like, time to turn over all the Rain Sticks at once and hear them go. Like, it, yeah, I'm sure that uh, entertain the cashiers quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, so talking about the Mall of America, this waterfront thing with all the chain stores does really remind me. Like the look of it where it was very new and kitschy and very mm. 90s. Mm-hmm. That was very Mall of America circa at that time, and it's, frankly hasn't changed all. Back that when much. you were excited about stores. Well, I remember walking into those kinds of places and seeing everything look so clean. Mm-hmm. Which maybe in the 1980s that wasn't as much of the case. I don't remember things being nearly <laughs> well, as clean. Well, everyone was smoking and, in the mall in the 80s. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the the signage all was a lot. I suppose nicer or something like that. There was just a certain look to how things were in the nineties. So, and this chain and this gentrified waterfront is very much the case. Yeah, and uh, I also like Homer bringing up yuppies versus slackers, which feels like a thing that that's a very eighties thing. That's what people cared about when the white working class had money. That was the, those were the divides. I'm more of a slacker. I oh, I'm totally a slacker, baby. I like the little mo joke of his incredible, yeah. possibly long hallway to that, that's his cool animation. Movie. It was good. Yes, that's yeah. actually my line of the show. This isn't a faux dive bar. <laughs> this is a dive. I say that a lot when I judge bars because I like dive bars, but there are too many faux dive bars in the Bay Area. Because I actually you can't hate, actually have a dive bar. I hate proper dive bars. Because <laughs> when you walk into a dive bar, you know you're in a dive mm, bar. That's true. Because it smells like pee, the beer is awful, and the clientele is mm. usually kind of, ooh, they're in there for the $5 beer, which you know is a dive bar because it has $5 beer. Oh, man, in the San dive San bars Francisco. in my town had $1 beer. <laughs> well, it's 5 in San Francisco. That's true. I guess that's... there are no true dive bars, but the bars I like are divey. I, you know, I kind of have a, a good dive bar I'd go to over a good faux dive like, bar, but I go to a good faux dive bar over a bad dive bar th- over a bad faux dive bar. I think Acme, local reference for Berkeley, is divey, but it's not a dive bar because oh, it's yeah. too expensive to be. A, everything, everything around here is too expensive to be a so dive bar. I thought a faux dive bar started to become more of a thing in the 2000s, I want to say. Mm. So I was a little surprised and amused that we had an instance in the mid-90s of Mo kind of rebranding. Well, <laughs> jokes like this also feel like L.A. getting mm. into the show. Like, Yeah, for it, sure. Complaining about a, oh, making fun yeah. of a yuppie who's just like, this isn't faux dive. Like, that is a Hollywood phony right there. This they also... probably had brunch at Santa Monica. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Is this also like Universal City Walk, too? A bit lot of, of that, yeah. it feels like, too. Yeah. I The, uh, the Cadillac in the Planet Hollywood, too, that's way cooler than whatever 
whatever like Hard Rock Cafe has. Like the Hard Rock had cooler shirts that you would see people wearing to prove. Like I went to the Hard Rock in in uh, Las Vegas. Are not cool. That's where they filmed Con Air. Remember that? But meanwhile, would... what's Hans Moman doing in that Cadillac? <laughs> where did he get it? Clearly, he's not ready to drive a. Here's Cadillac. another story. Like, give me the story of how Hans Moman <laughs> drove that thing. Give me another 22 short films about Springfield right now. <laughs> meanwhile, Lisa is struggling while Bart makes some calls. Lots more coffee. <laughs> Are you getting ready for bed, Bart? I am. That's right. I want the 25-foot Italian party sub. <laughs> and don't skimp on the vinegar. It's time Lisa learned what babysitting Bart Simpson is all about. Um, yes, I'd like to host an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Tonight, if possible. <laughs> we don't see the payoff for that joke, though. Yeah, I guess they told him he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's where that ended. <laughs> they never showed up, apparently. I like... Lisa's wilted hair because it got mm. wet from trying to bathe Maggie in her very... She starts to get dark circles in her eyes and... She's getting pretty exhausted. And uh, and then also her trying to drag Bart... Like, that is also just so real, kid, of just yeah. like, I'm just going to go limp. This is all I can do. I can't really physically resist you, but I'm going to have to make you work to drag me to the car, mom. So her dealing with Maggie made me think of like now made me think of my friends who are parents Mm. um, and having to deal. One of them has a three-year-old daughter and she's pretty rambunctious. Let's just say that. Mm. And a three-year-old would be the kind of, would be the type to just fall on the floor and just go completely limp. And you're trying to be like, Oh my God, please get up. (laughs) Stop just laying there dead weight. As a rule, I am not friends with parents. Uh, all my friends have to be childless weirdos like me. So just a warning for any of you out there. we are here in this yeah. room. Well, I have nothing against friends who have parents, but I do think you're a little weird. Yeah. In this economy? This economy? No, thank you. I, uh, and Maggie we, looks out for one guy. <laughs> you pointed out before, this really was a mistake on Margin Homer's part. It's like, an infant should not be watched by an eight-year-old. No, like, no. no. Well, no. I was actually taught in the babysitter course mm-hmm. how to look after young children okay uh, so rope that was the thing you know it's like how like they're choking on a thing what do you do to save their lives so you're not vi- liable but <laughs> i if i were a parent there's no way in hell i would i just if i were a parent there's just no way in hell that i would entrust a think, young child to a teenager knowing I, what a teenager would do it's bore it is illegal that's why my mom told us, like, don't tell anybody we're leaving you home alone. Uh, being, I mean, don't you need someone of a certain age to watch smaller children? I guess in the law's eyes, perhaps. Yeah. I, I'm not That's for so the courts to decide. Well, my, <laughs> these same friends uh, kind of have their parents nearby. In uh, fact, okay. uh, I would say a lot of my friends who are parents have moved back to be near their parents so that if they want to go on a date, they can dump the kids with the parents. Operation Sponge. <laughs> <laughs> I also like Lisa being furious at Bart for trying to compare himself to Mahatma Gandhi, which Ooh. he has not heard of. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but then Lisa gets some visitors. Good evening there, miss. Here's your giant sub, swimming in vinegar, just the way you like it. It's going to be $225 plus tip. What? I didn't order any giant sub. Are you ready to get rowdy? Excuse me? Somebody hired me for an emergency bachelor party. Well, there's been a mistake. Well, I'm not leaving till I get paid. I get 500 just for hey, hey. 
Who called for an emergency cysterectomy? <laughs> we got a report that a Lisa Simpson spotted a UFO. I didn't see any UFO! That's right, miss. You didn't. <laughs> I'm here to pick up the ambassador from Ghana. Well, he's not here! Nobody's here! And none of you should be here! You've all been tricked! <gasps> Why would the ambassador do such a thing? Another good line. <laughs> yeah, so there's some good animation in this scene. So I, I put this on my Twitter. And I it'll never be, saw this until you tweeted this out. It'll be a while ago by the time this goes live. But Krusty bursting through the door, like coming at the screen. And the one Italian guy, like just the force of the door opening kicks him off screen. He flies off of his feet. And Lisa is like shielded by the door. But it's really good animation. And Krusty's face just like burst into the screen. It's so, it's so good. The way the sandwich guy zips off screen... It's almost like the Poochie to to his home planet just like lifted away. Yeah. <laughs> Physically can't happen. In like three frames, he's off the screen. <laughs> and also, I have to point out another thing I noticed is that the scientist guy with the syringe is the NASA guy with the blackjack from Deep Space Homer. Oh. So same character design, and he's still employed to hurt people. <laughs> For the space program. Yes. <laughs> to keep things a secret, instead of keeping the monkeys that learn how to speak when they go into outer space a secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say that I found this whole sequence slightly rough, just in the sense of maybe the idea of swatting somebody or prank calling has gotten really nasty on the internet. <laughs> it's true. It used to be pizzas, now cops will murder your dog and often you if you beat someone in Fortnite. oh boy yeah no this uh, this prank this prank is real uh, well uh, to an extent these are real pranks but but also bart would go to jail for that prank 911 call like that is illegal yeah. multiple like, multiple prank calls to 911 sisterectomy or... is so cl- clever though. but they take That's, it seriously yeah. too well and, in uh, a case of severe butt rot <laughs> i think now in an age where everyone has credit cards they would require like all of these services require you to put a credit card down payment down on something first or some uh, sort of scams true. were easier back then yeah no you could still order a pizza if you like from some pizzerias if you give them yeah. a call delivery with just cash maybe not the food yeah I can see but not like yeah. other things actually like crusty yeah like crusty crusty would want money up front I don't know who did it to me but I did once get pranked really of uh, in high school somebody sent over a pizza delivery that we didn't ask for and we're just like well that's not our pizza i'm sorry and the guy just left pissed and only later did my mom say like you should just like tipped him or something or bought the pizza i was like well but i didn't buy that pizza you could have bartered for that pizza (laughs) and uh, now i think back to like yeah what does that guy care anyway he just goes back and like yeah it's not my it's not a pizza free pizza although he's got to pay for that gas money Uh, yeah it's true i but i never found out who did that uh to me i mean there there were a few like ex friends of my brother at the time it could have been those guys but uh, hey what a dumb prank anyways like he's gonna get a pizza that it won't be his and then he won't want it because it's a pizza that you know the guys who deliver the party sub if they had said the name of the place they worked at and or named themselves i think they would have been recurring characters yeah there's four distinct italians but when i looked it up on the wiki they never made another appearance he's just sandwich guy i love their design too like the italian flag colors and everything it's really cool and is like uh and he doesn't really have a joke other than swimming in vinegar but i also like when he says 225 bucks plus tip like Mm -hmm. he's like where's that tip at come on it's a really long sub to transport 
I wonder if it's the same sub place that made the giant sandwich that made Homer sick. I hope not, because they're all eating the sandwich as people come in. <laughs> yeah, I think while well, they made the right choice of like, well, no one's buying this sandwich. Time to eat this sandwich. <laughs> We're just eating the sandwich before it goes bad. Also, that Krusty was animated by the idea of a emergency bachelor party. <laughs> That's pretty great. The way Bart positions himself yeah. on the stairs, like, what a little shit. Like he's sitting in stadium seating or bleachers or something huh. to watch this action unfold. And humiliate her with a photograph for later, too. Like, what a, what a dick. You don't feel bad for him uh, later. And then, like you said, this is more very kid moment here. I thought I told you to go to bed. Yeah, right, bread. You said go to bread. I said go to bed. Yeah, go to bread. B-A-D, bed. Oh, bed. Oh, well, anything you say, sis. You didn't say which bed. Go to your bed. Make me. I'll make you. If you want me, you gotta catch me. Almost. Oh, so close. Okay, we'll call it even if I can just have some of that big sandwich. Oh, uh, I'll come back. <laughs> and that's how Bart broke his neck. Yeah, Bart He's is dead. dead. He's yeah. a dead child. This reminds me a lot. I think it's in uh, Burns' air when Homer falls down the stairs and he hits his head every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he even gets a son of a... And it feels like there are too many stairs. It's <laughs> like they make the stairs extra long when he's going down. That's it. three story stairs that Bart went down to. That was a real long <laughs> fall. Why? I also, it is a very kid escalation of pretending to mishear something. And then once you can finally exhaust it, all the limits of mishearing things with bread or choosing a different bed to go to then you escalate it to make me and then you get physical there's a lot of this in life and hell comics oh yeah a lot of matt graining reflecting on growing up with older siblings and there's there's a lot of strips that are just this where it'll be the older bunny telling younger bunny today's opposite day do you want me to hit you and then (laughs) it having a, a terrible conclusion so like just the way that your your siblings will torture you and finally he managed to drag lisa who initially is like certainly Mm-hmm. down to his level where she is trying to tackle him yeah. and they're basically roughhousing. And that, I think that was his goal all along. Tear her down, make her make her think she's not so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring her down to Bart's level. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy, this arm injury. I mean... I ugh. mean, just hearing it. I can't, Do we want to play? Uh, I'll play. We'll have to. We'll yeah. have to. I mean... For completeness' sake, for history's sake, feel free to... Go forward, folks, if it's sound really grosses you out. It's so gross. Ew, your arm, it's got extra corners. Oh, cool. It must be dislocated or something. We have to get you to the emergency room and get this fixed? What's the rush? Don't you want everyone to see what a responsible babysitter you were? Stop it. Stand still. Maybe I can pop it back in. Oh, no. I'm going to preserve the evidence until Mom and Dad get home. And you'll never babysit again! Oh. Oh. Bro, we're all like leaning away from the microphones yeah. as if that we, will help. We now, can't focus. <laughs> they lay off of that after this scene. That's that's the most they do it. I think it happens once in the dream sequence, but that is all you get of that gristle sound. Just the sound of like just oh, tendons. Wouldn't he be in, in like a lot of pain? He should be. I So I 
happening. I have not had this injury, but I did break my left arm once and like the humerus bone. So the bone above the elbow and for about an hour, it was just numb. I was in Mm. shock. It felt like uh, actually when it broke, I couldn't move my arm, but it felt like everything below my wrist just wasn't there. It was like in a hole. Football injury, right? Yeah. Uh, It was from us thinking that we could do MMA things. Uh, We were really. uh, You're still a wrestling fan, even though we've told this story before. (laughs) It's a gross story, but anyway, anyway, I'm just saying when I broke my arm, it didn't hurt until over an hour later. And boy, did it hurt then. So I think Bart is just kind of in the shock moment of it, of just like his adrenaline is preventing him from feeling pain. Also, it's not just his arm. He is concussed. Bart is concussed and Maybe his brain's just not working in general to feel that pain. And then he concusses himself again later. (laughs) Yes. Well, once you get one concussion, it's easier to get a second one. Oh, man, that actually makes sense. So that's Mm -hmm. how he knocked himself out. That is kind of a scary scene to me now. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, wow, Bart could be dead. Like, you should not not pass out if you've got a concussion. It's bad news. Well, he's going to be in worse. Like, he's had permanent brain damage at this point. Like, just, God, the sound and the look of it. This is why every time when we get to this point in the... Uh, my VHS would be like, fast forward to 18th Amendment. No more yeah, time Yeah, it was this. pretty yeah. rough for me to watch. The way it like dangles and like, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's rough. It's there's rough. a reason I don't watch sports injury stuff whenever an Ugh. athlete has an absolutely horrific injury. I, yeah. They always post it on a whole bunch of sports like, watch the replay. I'm like, why would I watch the replay yeah. of this awful thing? Same, same in MMA when somebody like breaks something <laughs> in an MMA match. I'm like, well, I don't want to watch that guy break his arm. That's not uh, cool to see. But speaking of Bart being a 10-year-old boy, he has had multiple limbs broken at this point. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks it's neat. Well, mm. so this isn't a break. It's a dislocation, which would explain how he can get it set back and he'd believably not be in a cast in next week's episode. So I heard having getting whatever dislocated is still really painful. Oh, no. it's It doesn't fix overnight. That's no. for sure. Uh, though Bart does have it in a sling after this. But yeah, I'm sorry, listener. Like, they did such a good job with it though it is good yeah. disgusting oh, you know real what? sound yeah. great sound I, design i bet we're gonna get a ton of like horrifying comments in the in the comments about people's own injuries oh god about how they make themselves don't get, don't get too grisly in the descriptions please. i want pictures uh, no <laughs> they can't post uh, pictures it's safe you know the comment uh the commentary on this i will mention too i think it is really cute that josh has on his kids mm. uh on it and it's a fun thing to for a memory for them but it does not make it as informative as it could be especially when dan graney apparently missed the recording yeah and so it's just like you don't get to hear and dan graney is so informative he remembers like seemingly every writing room for every episode he did and so and i just think of like boy i wish if dan graney was here instead of uh, the Weinstein kids, I'd, I'd be, I, it might've been a more informative. I want to know about Josh's son's friends with friend with a cast. Did he get better? It's been 13 years. <laughs> it's purely self-indulgent to bring your kids onto a podcast. It's, Those kids yeah. are like, uh, are like probably out of high school.
high school now. I wonder how they feel about being on commentaries. Hmm, I wonder. I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, because they are little kids. Are like he's silly or what's that? Like it's all little kid stuff. There's there's a really cute little kid story of, and then my friend Alex. There's two Alexes, and one's a boy, one's a girl. One's Alexandra, but she goes by Alex. But the oh, other Alex, Alex is the one with the cast. Alex also gets a cast, and it, it just like yeah, all that stuff. I was just like this. It's cute in how like real it is. Like, oh, that's a cute kid story. But I was like, I kind of want to hear some more information. <laughs> eh. But though Josh said he saw an injury like that as a kid yeah. in real life too, which like, oof. <laughs> Yucko. All right. Why don't we, let's have some fun with fountains as a palate cleanser yeah, here. Yeah, fun with fountains. You know, honey, when I think of all the good times we've had together. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that, Marge? Oh, my God, you walked into the fountain. Get out of the fountain. (laughs) Stand still and I'll get someone. (laughs) Don't nap at me. I was once like you. We did that joke at Universal City Walk. We didn't, we, did. we didn't act it out, but I no. believe I said that. But it's not even a joke, but I really like Marge's, you're in the fountain. Get out of the fountain. <laughs> and like, I'll go get someone. Like, just get water. somewhat wet and yeah. run out of it. That's all you have to do. I was once I was once like you. It's especially great when he delivers that line that like the fountain, instead of moving anymore, it is now just turned into a cage around him. And he's <laughs> it's almost like an elephant man scene of like, please, I was once like you. You know, the writers were probably walking down the street and saw one of those and thought huh, they were probably thinking of <laughs> what that. What if Homer was inside? They have yeah. scared me uh, just to like, oh, they better be careful. Don't want, yeah. That's okay. cool. It's quite the date they're having at this point. Uh, good. Homer in his pie-stained tuxedo and then <laughs> driving through uh, crowds where he's not supposed to be and then getting trapped in the fountain. This is a very Homer and date. He was about to say something very sweet to Marge that he's oh, never right. finished. <laughs> that is so great. Oh, I liked his line before, too, and he's like, you've never been about Paris? Yeah. Implying Homer's been to Paris at some point. Can I just note, that's the Chanel dress that Marge is wearing, right? Not exactly, no. Because the her one pink one that got destroyed the second one she bought that she said she returned it had black stripes on it so this design is a bit different so maybe she returned the other one and got one that's somewhat simpler the episode ends with them getting store credit we don't know if they sell gum but (laughs) this could be what she bought with the store credit a smaller one and they just will buy buy more than one dress there uh so then meanwhile bart is concussing himself and his there's an animation fuck up there of bart one of the shots of Bart hitting his head, he has both hands against the door as he does it, meaning his one, his right arm is being drawn as working again when he's smashing oh, his head. okay, okay. So, Boy. little mistake well, there. Hope someone we got sp- fired for that blunder. Yes. I, well, we were spared another shot of his horrible mangled arm. So yeah, honestly, I'm glad they it's messed a blessing. that up. It's a blessing. <laughs> Let's listen some more to his horrible arm. I'll let you ride the lawnmower through the house and... Come on, open the door! What are you doing now? I'm banging my head. I'm gonna make the lump even bigger. (laughs) No! As your babysitter, I order you to stop hitting your head on the wall! Bart? Did you stop because I said to? (laughs) If so, thank you. Bart? Mm Mm-hmm. 
It's kind of scary. <laughs> it's actually horrifying. And yeah, when, when she, she sees his unconscious body through the window. It's like real terror. It's not funny. It's just like, he could be dead. You're, you're a little kid, and you're in charge of your sibling, and they have just injured themselves so severely that they do actually have to go to the hospital. Ooh. And now you're in real danger kind of situation. And that is pretty terrifying. Thankfully, I never experienced anything quite like that but we get that from this point on the episode feels kind of chaotic and out of control as mm. lisa's going from one location to another trying to find a way to the do universe, something the universe is out to get lisa she's yeah. trying to do everything right here mm-hmm. and it's just the universe is set out to destroy treat, her do the world doesn't work like that unfortunately <laughs> well the 911 that should just be the end of it like she called 911 and then they come and take him away but unfortunately bart had pranked them too many times i like that they build in that excuse too it's, it's a nice bit of uh rationalizing Could you imagine if she had called them and they had come and taken it away and homer and marge had come home to find out that they had like that ambulance bill and uh, yeah when they need to go get bart out of the hospital like that yeah that's already bad enough news like the root the, the evening is ruined there's no hiding it like even if in lisa's plan she gets to dr nix and they fix him bart still has a sling on like she's making know. some bad decisions now going and to dr nick and a medical bill too yes that's too i get because dr nick dr nick is cheap but he's not free I was surprised, though. There is a joke in the phone book for Dr. Nick, as good as Dr. Hibbert, but there's no joke in the Hibbert act. Yeah, Hibbert's just, uh, it's just old Hibbert. It's just uh, everyone accepts him as the gold standard of doctors, and there's no other doctor in Springfield, apparently, other than Nick and Hibbert. Blinky's on the cover of the phone book. Mm. That's cute. I like that. And that... And that Dr. Nick has switched from Doctor but to 555 Nick. <laughs> yeah. That's his number now. I guess he's not so much of a bargain anymore. I like well, that. Uh, I like the little cartoon illustration that he has. It's very friendly. I yeah. feel like I immediately trust him. He's sewn his lips shut. And he speaks Spanish, too. It says so in the ad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice callback to how things were in the past, too, that Lisa tears the page out of the phone book because that's what you did when you didn't have a phone to just mm. keep the numbers saved in. You you tear it out. I, I always felt when I saw in, like, say, a detective movie yeah. and they tear it out of a phone book, I'd be like, hey, that's a public phone <laughs> book, mister. Everybody else needs <laughs> those they'll, yellow pages. they'll write on it or something. <laughs> uh, but Lisa, this is all turning into a nightmare for Lisa. Dislocated shoulder, bump on the noggin, my diagnosis, bad babysitting. And as we can tell, the boy was studying quietly when the girl, drunk on her own sense of power, beat him silly with a block of frozen lima beans. It's true. Young lady, oh, yeah. you will never babysit again. I am so disappointed. Pointed. I guess I don't have a choice. Complete confidentiality? Oh, and I'm sure he's as good as Dr. Hibbert. It says so right in his ad. <laughs> good, it's good desperate acting from Yardley there as Lisa, too. She's She definitely sounds very harried, I'd say. And this dream sequence is when they get to cut loose a little bit with this very domestic episode. There's great camera angles. There's some lighting effects. I love, I love the lighting f- effects. Yeah, Hibbert's pose for bad babysitting we see later is even... It's, that makes that joke even better. Like, bad yeah. babysitting is such a silly kid imagination of what the guilt... Because you think... 
Well, no adult would actually put that much guilt on an eight-year-old. So then it makes it even better when in pose and statement, Hibbert will do <laughs> all of this. And same staging, too. And the lima beans, uh, I forgot that's what they were eating earlier. That's I was right. like, why lima beans? But then we talked about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why they came up again in this in this episode. It's a really cool callback. And uh, yeah, his arm stuff, even more gross in the fantasy. The last gross arm noise, at Thank least. God. <laughs> and... Uh, Boy, I could go for some Jello shooters right now. Mm. Oh yeah, that's how kids get drunk. But I approve of that. <laughs> but not, not that. No, I mean, I approve of their existence, not kids getting drunk. Stay, stay sober, kids. No, Until I approve you're of kids 18. getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just as people know on this podcast, I'm not a fan of beer. I'll drink, especially when it masks flavor of alcohol, which Jello shooters do quite well. As Homer and Marge are worrying about it over Jello shots. Lisa arrives at the free clinic and uh, these free clinic patients are a bit sketchy. And I, this, there's a joke in here with Smithers that like, I, I only mm. got, I didn't get as a kid. I got like as an adult, not to, yo, um, I must've like fallen on a bullet <laughs> and it like drove itself into my gut. <laughs> hey, don't worry. You don't have to make up stories here. Save that for court. <laughs> um, excuse me, Mr. Smithers. Bart may be seriously hurt. Could we possibly go ahead of you? Uh, no. I really would rather get this taken care of. Uh, excuse me, little lady. Wheelbarrow line's uh, over there. Wheelbarrow line. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Mm. Same wheelbarrow, perhaps, that he brought all the tacos from? Yeah, right. for the Doctor Who marathon, <laughs> for right? For the 100 tacos for under bucks, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that joke, uh, this feels very much a reversal of what happened on Homer's Phobia, where it's just like, okay, no more of the bad gay jokes, and this is probably the worst gay joke they've done. Well, okay, so Smithers isn't sitting down, so clearly some butt stuff has gone awry for him. Yes. It's, yes, that is a gag. And it is very much of the old style of Simpsons Smithers joke, where the joke is... He's gay. This joke is about him being gay, but we're not saying it. We're being mm. naughty by implying he's gay. And it's also not a fun stereotype. Yeah. I, I love Everybody it. puts stuff up their butts. You don't yeah, have to be gay or straight. I mean, it's 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 universal. Come on. <laughs> true. Okay. It's true. But the uh but yeah, his butts it's just I never got it as a kid that it's like the way he's standing too. The way he's standing, yeah. his fist clenched. He's like, I something is wrong, and I, I got can't it sit this down. time. I didn't get it in high yeah. school, <laughs> and and also it implies that like, well, why would Smithers be at this anonymous clinic that also on their checklist has unusual sex practice? Ah, uh, boy, they're being very judgmental. It is, they are, you know, they're yeah. not being judgmental of somebody getting shot, but he could have prison <laughs> tunnel syndrome. They don't know. <laughs> that is- sounds like a euphemism for butt stuff too. <laughs> This is where the I was talking about the sense of things are spinning out of control for Lisa. Uh, I would say that a walking clinic that has a dude who's like bleeding and people in wheelbarrows is a very scary place for a little kid to be. Oh, yeah. If Smithers wasn't dealing with what he's dealing with, he probably would be the person to say, like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. She's like, in a sketchy part of town mm-hmm. alone with her Sister and a cat carrier. Yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor Maggie. Yeah, the what frustration. Yeah, I love the animation too of Maggie groping Bart's <laughs> face, his unconscious face. She's like, 
Oh, Maggie. This is the best Maggie episode in ages, to be honest. <laughs> well, because she's doing things. Yeah, yeah just... she's actually a she's actually more than just kind of a prop in the background. Mm-hmm. And she is not acting like a baby who understands words or can do things. She just she's not like leading a baby, a baby rebellion. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the wheelbarrow underrated in the wheelbarrow joke is uh, Frank in a wheelbarrow with a monkey. Uh, that has a thing on its head, which would explain that he had been given smarts enough to mm. put Frank in a wheelbarrow, but it kind of not had it removed from his head. So he like, Frank was like, just drag me here. Who cares about the thing? Just rip it off. Like, what was going on with Jasper? I forget. Uh, I for- Jasper was just sitting there. I don't huh. think he had any. His beard was not caught in a pencil sharpener. There wasn't any obvious problem for Jasper there. At least eh. he's just bent over. Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe Jasper threw out his back, perhaps. Also in the I mean, lineup, he seems to really like Doctor Nick. <laughs> he trusts him, I guess. Yeah, I and mean, he got a really he got a nose job from him for free not too long ago. That's true, though. You know, Hibbert clearly saved his life not too long ago because he only had six seconds left to live at one point. It's true. So Hibber must have saved him. Actually, he's not bent over. He bends over to talk to Lisa, but in, in other scenes, he's just sitting straight up in his chair. Yeah, I don't know. It's Jasper. And, and John Schwartzwelder is drawn in there, too, as well. He's one well, of the sketchy guys. There's one guy right behind uh, Bart and Lisa in the scene that's got to be the director or an animator. 800%. That is yep. too oh, yeah. specific to be... Well, that's not be... Jim Reardon. I know how Jim Reardon That's me before himself. I got my hair cut. <laughs> It's just a regular looking guy with slightly longer hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I wonder, too, the monkey with Frank. Is that the monkey that prevented him from having a story that in the 22 short films? Yeah. <laughs> That could be the very same monkey. I like this. Yeah, uh, we got another story that we could add to the Planet <laughs> Hollywood thing and the Dr. Hibbert story. So we've got we've got three stories out of the 22 short stories. Just throw Jasper in there as well. Yeah, he could do something. Uh, and so then Wiggum runs into Lisa. Ooh, I love this. Hold it right there. Well, if it isn't Springfield's finest little babysitter, Lisa Simpson. Hi, how are you? <laughs> um, I'm fine. Now, Lisa, when you're walking down the side of the road, you always want to be sure to go with traffic, okay? Well, is that with traffic or against traffic? No, it's with traffic, with traffic. Anyway, good night. Uh, hold on a minute. Let me have a look at that wheelbarrow, please. as I thought. It's a yard king. That is a quality barrel. Well, I gotta run. (laughs) Yard king is up there with Allied Biscuit. Uh, One of my favorite perfect brand names. I love that for plot purposes, he has to immediately go like, well, good night. Like, to a child walking down the side of the road with a wheelbarrow <laughs> and giving her confusing advice. Yeah. So well, this... very earnestly, though, he's like, okay, I get to give her advice. <laughs> Walk with traffic. <laughs> Which is not Wrong. what you're it's supposed to traffic. It confused. I didn't know until Googling it this time. This line had confused me for the longest time. Well, we can just confused know. you even more. Uh, yeah. No, it's I didn't know what it was. I always thought it was with traffic. How many kids in this Joe kill <laughs> <laughs> that i mean i think that is a danger with wiggum jokes that he can tell uh you need to have a joke 
this is different from other ones where he says call 912 and then somebody like Lou will correct him so people know what the real thing mm. to do is and they're not giving bad advice to viewers but in this case he doesn't have anybody with him so he just gives bad advice and somehow Bart falls out of the wheelbarrow which wasn't very clear how Physically that happened impossible I think I rewound a few times like was it tipping in a certain way but the animation of Lisa like using the barrow to steer down that That's muddy really path good. is really cool and the shot of her coming towards the camera like skidding on the mud towards the camera is really good too so what I was saying like you guys were kind of going oh Jim Reardon doesn't get much to do the entire I love Jim Reardon he's great I I think I'm not don't think he did a bad the job. The entire final act was terrific. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not given a lot to do in terms of like the domestic scenes, but when there's a more action actiony scene or a more fantasy sequence, he really shines in this episode. They really do deliver here, yeah. And uh and yeah, this is this is like were this in real life, this is a life-ruining humiliation for Lisa here, I think. This is all like a bad dream. <laughs> Citizens of Springfield I officially declare this. What the hell is that? <laughs> Why, it's Lisa Simpson. And look what she's doing. She's murdered her brother. And she's trying to dump the body in a harbor. Well, duh. And as a grim finale, she intends to drown that poor Kate's baby. Oh, what's happening? Where am I? And she's on drugs! <laughs> Give me the drugs, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on drugs. I was just trying. <gasps> His arm! Oh, my special little gun! Oh. Are you okay? Mm, dislocated shoulder. Bump on the noggin. My diagnosis? A rather nasty fall caused by bad babysitting. <laughs> Very weird in this scene is that this scene fades out, and we have—I yeah. don't think we've had a real fade out in season one of The Simpsons. And then it just kind of ends. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, yeah. My theory on the fade out, which is very, very different from Simpsons editing style, it feels wrong. I think it's that they were feeling bad for how horrible things were for Lisa there, and maybe things like state. Maybe originally the scene lasted a little bit longer. They're like. We need to just turn this down and get to the next scene because otherwise you just feel too awful for Lisa. I really <laughs> had a very bad night. I think my biggest laugh in this episode was "Give me the drugs, Lisa." <laughs> Actually, why don't we give that the line of the episode jingle? That's the joke. That's a great line. A great reading from Helen Lovejoy. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's on, on drugs. drugs. Yes, thanks, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> and yeah, Homer. Homer just immediately like, well, Lisa's definitely on drugs. <laughs> she better give him to me. <laughs> give me the drugs, Lisa. He's playing Mr. Tough Guy. I noticed that in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these waterfront scenes or Squidport scenes, that Edna and Skinner were together hanging yeah. out. And this is before Grade School Confidential. That is true. Boy, you know what? Oh, yeah. And Grade School Confidential is 4FO9. Oh. So it was four episodes earlier in production order wow. than this one. That, that's a good That's a good catch. Yeah. Boy. My hunch just, paid off. You blew my mind, man. <laughs> so they aired this out of order. I hope somebody Listen, got fired for that. Plunder. Real Simpsons fans care about the production order of shows <laughs> and which which episodes are secretly from the last season. It's very important. <laughs> I mean, it's I fun. bow to you. That, that uh, That's a great catch. <laughs> uh, but 
man, poor Lisa, every, and especially like Hibbert should really not be giving her the judging. Like that is like an after school special type, like Beb or like reefer madness type pose. Uh, yeah. The joke that her nightmare came true was so great. <laughs> exactly. And it's even worse. Imagined it, yes. And the, the way Hibbert says one extra thing. So you think he's not going to blame her. And so to, there's no reason he would say a sentence like that, but it makes it even funnier. That he goes, <laughs> bad babysitting. <laughs> and yeah, they fade out to it because you just feel so bad for Lisa that she, all she wanted to do is be a good babysitter. And now her life is ruined. She has no business anymore. Yep, your, life is, certainly, your life is certainly ruined if you can never babysit again. I think a normal Simpsons edit would be, uh, you know, cut to establishing shot of the house the next day with music and then cut to bedroom. But it's fade from that scene to bedroom, which is just an odd choice. Or coming home. Yeah, mm. I feel like there's like connective tissue that was cut out or missing. Like, I where, like right? she's all muddy and yeah. Bart's got the cast and then he apologizes. But I think they just wanted to kind of have her cleaned up. You know, they normal. needed to reset more too to get Bart. Yeah. Bart's medical condition completely fixed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think her life is ruined because now everyone, were it not for this last scene, which I'm glad they have in here, you would think that like the entire town now thinks Lisa is a drug addict who tries <laughs> to murder her brother and sister. Like her name is Mud in Springfield forever after that, you would think. Hey, Bart, how's your arm? It's all right. I was hoping they'd give me one of those steel claws, but what are you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry I was such a jerk last night. Guess I sort of ruined your babysitting business. Yeah, well, that's okay. I can always sell seeds. Mm-hmm. Do you want some seeds? No, thanks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Didn't even Hello, seeds. world's worst babysitter speaking. Lisa, I'm glad I reached you. Are you available to babysit tonight? Aren't you afraid I might take drugs and injure your children? Yes, that is a concern, but it's so hard to find a sitter. And I've got <laughs> judo tonight. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry, can you hold on, please? Hello? Lisa, Ned Flanders, you available tonight? Didn't you hear I almost killed my brother? You did? Just a minute. What time can you come over? She got rescued from Lebanon. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think that that made it more attractive to Ned that she tried to kill Bart because he thinks Bart is a as a demon spawn. Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that she almost killed Bart is now an appealing factor <laughs> to her services. Uh, but the I wonder which one. You know, I now realize Hibbert and Ned want her to do it on the same night. I wonder which one she went with. Mm. That could be another episode where she's got to go back and forth from house to house. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need a sequel to this episode, <laughs> I think. Uh, Sit harder. I would pick Ned because it's just an easier trip. It's next door, oh, yeah. No, but there's nothing in that house. True. Also, Hibbert did just like, yeah, but though Hibbert just announced her as a bad babysitter to everybody, <laughs> I'd, I'd be still pretty sore at him over that. So one of the big points of contention is whether or not Bart was kind of beyond the pale in this episode, that they went too far. <sighs> and that defines a lot of what people kind of, whether or not they like this episode. And I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, I think, I mean, ultimately Bart is punished for his uh, his hubris by by being injured. 
but also his apology at the end kind of sucks. Like, uh, yeah. I guess I fucked things up for you. Well, you didn't really later. earn it, right? Yeah, yeah. Bart goes very far here, but they all, the escalation feels like the kind of thing a bad kid who feels righteous, righteous anger towards his babysitter would do. And I feel like if you don't want to, if you want to feel like Bart didn't go too far, then you just tell yourself every moment after his injury, he is concussed and not in his <laughs> right mind. Yeah, that's so, that too. I be, just, I so. feel like anybody who's saying, oh, I just... Bart's gone too far in this one, has never had a, a sibling, and especially a boy sibling, who <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want to stereotype or anything, <laughs> but uh, brothers can be friggin' awful from oh, yeah. what I'm able to oh, understand. Yeah. And sisters can be worse. <laughs> and Yes, we'll it's see. true. And <laughs> and Bart is a hellion. He, this is, everything he does is so in character for him. Mm-hmm. And like everything from the prank calls to him being a, just a baby. I mean, it just made just real, a lot of and sense. Exasperating, yeah, yeah. I it's guess people too were, real for me. I guess people were had kind of gotten used to maybe a softer take on Bart, and also you know swarming with magic robots and Mary Poppins. <laughs> and yeah. Like when it went really reality focused, there was a big whip whip whiplash going on. I like this episode, but I don't like how often the show shits on Lisa. <laughs> yeah, and this is yeah. just relentless shitting on Lisa, and it's all funny. But I feel like, boy, it's it's hard to watch because I like Lisa a lot. And we've also recently recorded Old Man and the Lisa and where if she gets shit on real That's badly, true. too. It's just, wow. poor Lisa gets it pretty hard in so a lot of So maybe this is a season where Lisa just gets shit on repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But that's on the commentary, too, where Le- uh, Yardley is just like, Bad stuff happens to Lisa most of the time. <laughs> she either either there's no story for, her or the story is that she loses. Well, I mean, last season we had Summer of Four Foot Two, which mm-hmm. I mean was a really uplifting Lisa yeah. episode. Yeah. Though Bart's pretty awful to her in that too, in yeah. a realistic kid way. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of a sequel episode in that way too. At least yeah, a little the, bit with with a Bart Lisa dynamic. Mm-hmm. Dan Graney's really good at that. Yeah, it's very on brand for him. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll have a better Bart and Lisa episode in the season finale, which I believe is yeah. the Secret War of Lisa Simpson. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, there's some adversarial qualities between them, but ultimately Bart it helps Lisa, which is very sweet. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good watchable episode. I remember when it was on syndication when I was watching The Simpsons for the first time. It was not the kind of episode where if it was on, I would go do something else. Mm-hmm. Which there were a few episodes like that, mostly in season one, season two. So it's nice. And when I watch it now, I think I have a different perspective on it because, as I said, I'm an adult. I have friends who are parents. (laughs) I'm kind of looking in horror at the idea Uh of, you know, Lisa babysitting a small child and Bart at the same time. And it's interesting in that regard. And it's also kind of funny to see them go down to the waterfront. (laughs) It's still one I, for the same reasons as a kid, I won't rewatch that much. Because the injury is just so that disgusting is to the see. Worst it part. just ruins my day to oh. see it, honestly. Yeah. It's also on the... So it's a funny episode. But on the premise alone, it's not something you'd want to watch. Like, oh, let's watch the one where X happens or Y happens. This one's... Let's watch the one where Lisa is a babysitter. Mm-hmm. It's not the most exciting premise. I mean, lots of fun stuff comes out of that, but the premise itself is very domestic, and it's not what you would expect from this season of the show. It feels like something that would happen to Lisa, though, that one day she just kind of goes... She happens to be reading some books, and she goes, I want to be a babysitter. I could be yeah. a babysitter. That's yeah. a thing I can do. It's a very natural story. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for listening, folks. This has been 
been talking Simpsons. Before we tell you who we are and how to support us, let's ask our guest, Cat Bailey. Cat, where are you? Where can we find you? What are you on in terms of podcasts, not drugs? <laughs> She's on drugs. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbots, where I rant about sports. It's sports season, sports, sports, sports. Oh. And sports, also, sports, sports. I host a podcast called Acts of the Blood God, which is not a sports podcast. It's about RPGs, which are also kind of like sports. And <laughs> we are doing a top 25 RPG countdown. The most recent one was for Fallout New Vegas, which mm-hmm. I believe was number 12 or 13, something like that. I and, only count JRPGs on my RPG mm-hmm. lists. And my day job is an editor-in-chief over at US Gamer. We got mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff that you should go read. Uh, just recently, we did a post-mortem of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with Tetsuya Takahashi's. So. That was really cool. I Thank like you. that a lot. And you're... Uh, I said it to you off mic, but the listeners should hear this now. U.S. Gamer's oral history of Spider-Man 2, the video game, was really great and also very helpful for research for a future Retronauts podcast. I think what's really underrated is the oral history of Day of the Tentacle by this one very handsome writer. <laughs> I forget his name, but man, he's going places. Look out, look out for him. Please go check out both of them. <laughs> so yes, everything that we do here is brought to you by the Talking Simpsons Network. And if you want to subscribe, we have all kinds of great incentives for you at the $5 level. If you sign up for $5 a month, you'll get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for What a Cartoon, our weekly podcast where we look at a different cartoon from a different series every week. We also have dozens and dozens of bonus podcasts. On top of that, all of our exclusive miniseries live there. It's a great place for content. If you like podcasts and you like hearing <laughs> our voices, there are so many more podcasts waiting on the Talking Simpsons Network that you haven't heard yet. So please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to check it out, to see how you can donate, and there are more levels to donate on if you want to access more levels of content. Henry, can you please tell our fun, kind listeners what are two pieces of exclusive content exclusive to the Talking Simpsons network that they can hear if they sign up today as a subscriber? Two of our most recent ones that I enjoyed was we had an interview with Bill Morrison. Now, you might not know him by name, but he was the creative director of Bongo Comics from the beginning until a few years ago, and he drew some of the most famous pieces of Simpsons art that you may recall if you were a kid like us and read Simpsons Comics number one. That was him. If you played video games like Bart versus the Space Mutants, that was his cover art. And he, as we found out in the interview, had a much bigger impact on the art style of Futurama than a lot of people realized. I'll so, tell you what, Henry. I have an ancient Simpsons mug someone gave me from the early 90s and has Lisa Simpson skipping rope. It says <laughs> Overachiever. And I was like, he had to have drawn that. And I also got the other idea. That's where the arcade game got the idea to give Lisa a jump rope. They <gasps> totally. looked at one pro image like yep give her a jump rope sorry 100 yeah well and also at the ten dollar level we just did a video that i think lots of folks would enjoy me and bob do commentary on the lost simpsons clip show springfield's most wanted a parody of america's most wanted hosted by john walsh that was the primer for who shot mr burns part two that aired right before it only once in America. It's totally cool. Totally worth watching. And also, we said it before on this podcast, but check out our interview with Dan Graney on the yes. Talking Simpsons Network. You can, you can listen to us talk to the man who wrote this episode. I and am a Patreon contributor, and I really enjoyed your What a Cartoon about G.I. Joe. Oh, thank you. That thank was you. Uh, Jeremy Parrish's on that one. So yes, yes. go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to join and get tons and tons of bonus content. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. 
find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. That's a classic gaming podcast, and it happens every Monday, occasionally on Friday. Go to Retronauts.com or look for Retronauts on your podcast device. We've been going on since 2006. We've got tons of topics for you, probably over 400 podcasts by now, so check it out. There's got to be something you like. Uh, Henry, how about you? H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. That's where you can follow me. I tweet out updates whenever new stuff goes live, both on the free feeds and on the Talking Simpsons Network on Patreon. Check all of that out and my fun thoughts otherwise. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for Homer versus the 18th Amendment. infotainment.